We are live, episode number 51 with Tom Ellsworth Bizdoc and Adam Sosnick. Question for you. When you think about 51, the number 51, what do you think about? Oh. Everything to me in my mind, number has to do with something. What does 51 tell you when you think about the number 51? Give me a jersey. Give me a year. Give me whatever. Something to do with 51. You're really throw me off here, Pat. I got nothing. Something 51. with 51. Uh, it's, ba- it's, it's basically how elections are won in the United States now. Okay, that's how you think about it. 51. 51 just a smidgen. So 49 people up, 49% people This is a crazy up. stat I'm about to give you. Okay. C- uh, Cecil Fielder's Cecil best Fielder. year in home runs was 51. Okay, for what it's worth, I know it's worth nothing, but that's the weird stats part. Ridiculously I may be off. Stats. If somebody so, verifies it right well, now saying you're night, wrong, I think it was 51. Last night we had a little uh, controversy at dinner debate. We didn't. We forgot the exact amount of DiMaggio's history. 56. What, you said 51. I. I yeah, Adrian okay. said 52. 52. Mario, who knows all the facts with sports, <laughs> but it's 56. You know, DiMaggio. <laughs> By the way, we had a good time last night with yeah, we did. Uh, 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 Mayor uh, Mayor Francis Juarez, Suarez. Francis Juarez from uh, Miami. Miami, and the guy's a uh, quality guy. He's got a lot yeah. of presence, a ton of swagger. Okay, event was with your best friend Adrian, yes, um, whom Adrian has been all over the world. We learned he CNN, lived in CNBC, Jerusalem Vice, for everything. three years. Yep. And he was all over the place. So he said, party, you know, Thursday night, Tel yeah. Aviv. I think it was uh, Saturday's Tel Aviv. Thursday night is Jeru- Jerusalem. He had a lot of good stories. That guy is... Uh... It was a meeting yesterday for NFTs and crypto. I mean, yeah, the whole was... meeting yesterday at Soho House in Miami was about crypto and NFT. It's Tech interesting and to see. Yeah, and ca- bringing capital to Miami and uh, Miami stuff. being the capital of capital. Attracting all the, you know, and today, I don't know if you guys saw the taxes today with Cuomo. He announced it this morning where they were talking, not he announced it this morning, but they were talking about this morning, raising taxes in New York that's going to end up costing $4.3 billion. Mm-hmm. It's already been announced. Top earners uh, all across the board, taxes to generate $4.3 billion after losing all the jobs that they've lost. They are still raising taxes. You know what I like about what Mayor Juarez said yesterday? Suarez. Suarez said yesterday. Here's what I like about what he said yesterday. By the way, the guy could have been a model on cover of a GQ he's magazine. A he's, he's got that stuff. kind of a look, and he's got everything. He's got everything. He's telegenic. He, yeah, he's conservative, but he kind of runs from the middle. He said, he said, uh, uh, well, he's a Democrat, apparently. He's, you know, he's, he's a Miami Republican, meaning he's socially liberal for sure. You live yeah. in Miami, but a fiscal responsible. I like that. That's he kind said, of my, I, my every my chance wheelhouse. I get to lower taxes, I do. He does. Yeah. Every chance to lower regulation, I do, and every mm-hmm. chance to bring more talent to Miami, I do. Yeah. That's my priority. He says, I want to make sure everybody knows Miami is one of the best cities we have in America. He believes it's the best city the in America. The best city in America. But and it is saw, what it is. you saw the shot that he took in New York. I mean, yeah, he was he pretty did. vocal about yeah, that. He, he goes, did. look, I don't know he what did. the hell they're doing there, but they're definitely going in the wrong direction. Move to Miami. Yeah, he was not hesitating at all. No. He was not hesitating at all. And, Tom, I know one thing about you. Tom used to party hardcore in Miami years ago. Wow. Tell us about your partying days in Miami. Um, what part you want to tell me about? <laughs> Go as, as oh, un-PG I mean, I as possible. No, no, no. I was not a partier in Miami. We were, you know. Shocking. No, no, no. We were middle-class Adam. people. We'd come down spring break and stuff like that and and do things. But I was never a big partier. I would never had the dollars to go to the big clubs. or All Even right. back then, the big clubs, you know. Well, never that makes that. two of us, Tom. I've never partied down in Miami. This is one thing about you. Extremely conservative. <laughs> yeah, kissed two partied. girls in his life. Mom yeah. and a girlfriend. That's it. That's right. That's a, that's that's right. a very committed thing. By the way, your story last night about Manute Bowl. 
Oh, you like was that fantastic. <laughs> yeah, about how you met Manute yeah. at a bar. Fantastic. Me and Manute one on one at a bar. Yes, got that guy drunk. I, I Maybe at the end of the uh, podcast, the last five minutes, you'll tell them when you tell the story. Sure. But let's let's get into Rest some in of the peace, stories Manute. that we have today. We got a lot of crazy stories to go through today. Charles Barkley was asked during a college basketball game his thoughts on what's going on with politics and his reaction. We're going to show the video in a minute here. Uh, I loved what he had to say about it. And then uh, LinkedIn apparently has given their entire employees, 15,000 employees, the week off. Literally all of them the week off. We'll cover that here in a minute. Delta cancels over 100 flights. Dana White to sell his remaining stake in UFC two decades after buying it for only a couple million dollars and turning it into a seven or an eight billion dollar company. And now he's selling the rest of his shares. Here's what two thirds of Americans have to say uh, what uh, did with their stimulus checks. Interesting where they use their money. All those phone numbers, 533 million Facebook uh, uh, phone numbers and personal data leaked online, including the founder Zuckerberg's phone number. CEOs reflect on their pandemic year and the lessons they've learned. Amazon is on the edge of Alabama, uh, Alabama Union vote, which is going crazy. Bernie Sanders all over that yesterday. Uh, investors should buy real assets from wine to art as inflation reaches a secular turning point. Bank of America says, think about it. Bank of America is suggesting you buy real assets from wine to art. Bank of America. When would you have thought mm. that Bank of America would have said to buy wine to art? NFT price. Crash steers debate on whether stimulus lead fat is over. It was like 74% crash, some big number there. Godzilla versus Kong tops the pandemic box. I watch it twice, by the way, in less than 24 oh, hours. I got a lot of questions. I watch it that. one night, HBO. The next day, I promised Mario was going to go with him. So myself and the kids watched it twice within 20. It was like a homework assignment we had. Phenomenal movie. Phen- and I'm not no, even I got a questions fan. For you yes, then. we'll cover that as well. Goldman Sachs, Google, and Amazon prepare for return to office. Microsoft wins U.S. Army contract for augmented reality headset worth $21.9 billion over the next 10 years. Trump changes the way he brands himself from Trump to the 45th. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Yellen to push. This is something I definitely want to talk about today. Yellen to push for global minimum tax on corporation. MLB moving all-star game out of Atlanta in response to the Georgia voting law, which, by the way, for some of you that don't know, What's really in it? I printed out a couple things to read. Mm. One is from Washington Post. One is from Heritage Action to talk about what's in the actual law that they're pitching to see is it as bad as the media is telling the new us. laws in Georgia. The new okay, law in yeah. Georgia I'd that's like got folks to move that. the All-Star game. Uh, Florida Governor DeSantis uh, signs executive order banning vaccine passports in the state of Florida. U.S. and Iran agreed to resume talks over nuclear on uh, nuclear deal. France to close schools. Uh, uh, Putin voted sexiest man <laughs> in Russia. Putin voted sexiest man in Russia. For the 20th in year Russia. in a row. <laughs> uh, DMX rapper, uh, not in good shape. It's, it's very unfortunate. He had one of the greatest uh, albums of all time. I'm a dog, that. Yep, and uh, unopened Super Mario Brothers game sells from 1986 for $660,000, and Tom Brady's rookie card sells mm-hmm. for record-breaking 2.25. So having said that with all those stories, yeah. Do you want to just get right into the story you wanted to talk about, which which is uh, how folks in America are spending their stimulus checks? That'd Let's be, go into I think that. Be an awesome story. Before we do, can I give a quick shout out? Sure. Because people are asking. Kai's not with us today. Yes. Kai is uh, a little hungover. We went out Friday night. He had one too many orange juices, and he's not in with us today. Tell the truth, though. He, Tell oh, the yeah, truth. He had about four or five. Sam more. and Kai yeah. got into a fight. Sam told him. <laughs> 
I'm going to run it today because he's trying to impress a girl because yep. he's on the camera. Look at it. He's shaved. Yeah, Look how Sam. perfectly shaved. Look at baby face. Yep. Sam is Colombian. He's single. He lives in Boca. Ladies, yep. if you're interested, DM Sam. Yeah. Uh, Carvajal. See? Carvajal. Carvajal. Sam's usually behind the scenes, running the show. Now Today he's filling he in for Kai. Be. It is what it is. They may or may not be roommates. They're friends. Kai I didn't mean... like the comments about his hair, by the way. That upset oh. him a little bit. Kai, he's going for the Bad Fit he, Fight he Club. Got, he got but... upset about that, so we have yeah, to change it up a little bit. But anyways, sure you're shout out to Kai. We love Kai. Kai, hope you feel better. Get well soon. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about stimulus sure. checks. Here's how two-thirds of Americans have used their stimulus checks. Those 1,400 stimulus checks that started hitting mailboxes in March are proven valuable to people overwhelmed by debt. A study from Bill Paying Service, Daxo, finds that 62% of stimulus checks are being used to pay bills with a significant portion of the earmark for credit, and, uh, credit card debt. Since the start of the pandemic, says Daxo, 42% of Americans have skipped paying at least one bill. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 42% of Americans have skipped paying one bill. The DAXO number fall in line with the data from U.S. Census Bureau Household Pulse survey. In March, a study from that group showed the majority of stimulus checks recipients planned to use the money on food and utilities as household budgets remain stretched during the pandemic. A study of 110 million people who reported receiving stimulus checks taken between February 14, February 17, and March 1 showed debt reduction and household expenses as the top priorities. Adam, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is there's a lot to unpack here. I actually love this story. So um, I think the number is 90% of Americans are receiving some form of stimulus. I didn't um, get a check, though. You know, well, if you make over 75000 which I assume you do, Pat. I know you've had some up and down years. But uh, if you make under $75,000 or less, you'll get $1,400. They get phases out, I believe, at $80,000. Like, if you make 78000 as an example, you might get a check for, like, 800 bucks. But then it starts to phase out. If you're married, you get a. If you make, if you have a household income, if you're married, if you're under one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you'll get uh, the full twenty eight hundred. And if you have dependents, they're each getting. So, you know, I went down to South Beach and I was interviewing a lot of people down there. What they did with the phenomenal, by the way. Thank you. Hilarious. Check it out on Valuetainment Economics. A great, amazing interview. One girl, she. I said, Oh, how much did you get? Fourteen hundred. She goes, No, forty two hundred. I go, Wow, that's amazing. You're married, kids, dependents, all that. I go, How much did you spend to be here? 4,200. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? So there's a lot of those kind of interviews down there in South Beach. But here's why I love this story so much. Two-thirds of Americans have used their stimulus check to pay off debt. So, you know, I have my six principles of wealth philosophy. Mm -hmm. And number one is having a game plan for your money, which is a budget. What's your income? What's your expenses and all that? And then I say number two is before you can win the money game, don't lose. And what's losing? Losing is debt. So debt is your money going backwards. So the average interest rate on a credit card is 16% in America. The average, how, the average credit card amount in debt is $6,000. So if you're getting $1,400 check or even a $4,200 check, the best return on your investment might be to pay down that 16% interest rate, or in some cases, 24, 25% interest rate. Or if you have a payday loan, it might be four or 500%. Get the F out of debt before you can start saving and start investing. I know there's other stories out there that, Tom, I'll I'll hand it over to you. People that don't have debt are actually pumping their money right into the stock market, into Robinhood, and becoming investors. So here's my last point. 80% of Americans have debt. 80% of Americans have some form of debt. Only 55% of Americans are actually investing in the stock market. So your goal should be to have a game plan for your money. Get the F out of debt. 
start to save that money so you can start investing. So I applaud these people that actually paid off their debt with that. Good for them. Good for them. Tom, what do you think? Well, I think Americans are behaving responsibly, and I think it's great. Uh, You basically got them paying for They're saying, hey, we're spending this on core living, you know, household expenses and food, core living, and I'm also knocking down some debt that I had. I think that's a very responsible thing to do. Now, does that bring back Main Street? Does that bring back restaurants and and entertainment in in towns and cities? No, not yet. But I think for the average American, for inside the household, I think it's very good. But is it bringing back, you know, the life to the cities? And um, never mind spring break. Never mind what's going on, you know, South Texas or South Florida. What I'm talking about is casual entertainment in any town USA, you know, going out to do something, going out to dinner. Restaurants are just now open. So that's not getting a lot of support. But I think it's really good news that Americans are doing this because I think it makes it, you know, you don't want all the Americans stressed. And I think this is a very good thing. Flip side, you know, the single Americans, you met one. I don't think that was the terribly responsible answer she gave. But also you you had millennials that were single saying, hey, thanks for the stimulus. I'm going to go buy some crypto and I have my Coinbase account and I'm going to go buy some NFTs, Mm -hmm. you know, some uh, interesting things, some music clips that I like. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's a great story for national media because it's like the, oh, my gosh, kind of angle to the headline. Wait, so you're saying not a good idea to take your stimulus to go buy NFTs? No, I don't think so. If somebody said, hey, I put it in my, you know, I maxed out my annual limit for my 401k and bought a, you know, some more stock in some mutual or something. Yeah. Okay, great. That's that's a savings plan. Mm-hmm. But when you hear like the, hey, I'm just going to gamble with it. If I lose it, I lose well, it. So what do you think about NFTs? What do you think about NFTs? Uh, I, I think Look, I, I think this is a new collectible that's here to stay, but I'm, I'm saying that those millennials that took the stimulus check and the first thing they did was basically gamble, you know, uh, higher risk. Yep. I don't think that's too smart, but I love what American families and households did with the stimulus. People trying to get rich quick is what you're saying. Well, yeah. so what did you do with your stimulus check? What's a stimulus check? <laughs> You're so funny. Speaking of NFTs, I know we were at the event last night with the mayor and Adrian and the Eternity and everything they're doing and, and uh, BitCloud and yeah. everything that's going on with that. But you actually did an awesome Motivation Monday this past week about doing some research. And what was the motivation for that? Because if you, I mean, I, 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 I'll sort of paraphrase. You kind of Yeah, I'll give you an idea. Last yeah. night I get a call from George Palau while we're at dinner at Soho House. He texts me. He says, Pat, should I buy this card or not? And he sends me this beautiful Giannis, you know, rookie card, you know, Giannis, BGS 10. Say his 10, last name. Say his name. <laughs> you know, he sends me. Almost. A, he sends, say, you say it. See if you can say it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay. So that's why I just say Giannis. He sends me this message. He says, he says, uh, should I buy this card or should I not buy this card? It's a BGS nine and a half and a BGS. uh, It's a BGS ten cart and ten auto. Right Mm -hmm. is what he sends me, Tom. And he says, do you think this is a good price to send to to buy? And I said, here's the numbers. I sent him a few things for him to look at. And even yesterday, you know, I got I got a bunch of new cars that came in. I got a. 1958 Atlantic Frank Sinatra card, PSA 10. Wow. Okay, this is amazing. I, I got to know that they had these kind of cards. Sophia Loren autograph. I'm a big Sophia Loren card. You know. Right wow. By the way, look at this one here. This is the highest wow. graded Grace Kelly, Megan's uh, Megan Merkel's hero. Right. <laughs> Grace Kelly PSA 9, highest graded PSA 9. This is a special card right there. I got a Clark Gable 1957 card, PSA this is 9. Insane. I got uh, this one, Tom will appreciate. Another Grace Kelly, Lawrence Olivier. I got a Malcolm X card, PSA 10. 
Uh, I got a Marlon Brando card from uh, 1950. Look at this stud right here, man. Marlon Brando, 1950. Wow, this is before he was dating James Dean. Which is public info. That is Frank Sinatra. To Elizabeth Taylor. Tom, you're going to, Adam, I think you'll like this. This is another uh, uh, Sophia Loren card wow. autograph. She this was ridiculous, huh? Elvis Presley, PSA 9. She was the original, you know, Anyways. kind of round woman, you know? Kind round of. woman. No, you know. A bustier lady. No, well, no, before she... there was Marilyn Monroe, it was yeah. Sophia Loren and Kim Kardashian. Right. All of these guys are part of the lineage of Sophia Loren. Okay. Correct. This is before, you she know. Was the OG, she was before Marilyn Monroe, Sophia Loren? She may. Size one model, nah, I don't know, you know if it's I mean? before Marilyn Monroe. I think oh, it's about gosh. an era after. But Marilyn Monroe. Anyway. So to this... interject real quick. Yeah. I mean, you had the Marilyn Monroe. So like, the, these are gorgeous, you know, full-figured women. Now, you're these types of people. You're just a standard Instagram model. That's all you today, are. Today, I think Sophia Loren today would have a few hundred million followers. Oh, clearly. I if, mean, she's, if she's the, top of the top of the top of the list. 25 but today But now on any Instagram. girl that takes a picture like that, you're just a standard Instagram model. So, so here's Not that I'm, I'm hating against Here's where I'm going. You asked the question you said, yes, I did. what do you say about research, right? Yes. So there's the, the, the one thing with Tom, give you a perfect example with Tom. I've spent a lot of time with Tom. Tom and I have traveled. I don't know how many places we've gone to together. I tell you one thing about Tom. Okay, if you watch his case studies, the guys like, like yesterday's Ducati case study that just came out today, yeah, we sick. It. We watch it on the drive to Miami, right? Yeah. Sick. You learn so much about it, right? One of Tom's biggest strengths I learned from him, okay, just watching him, not even like asking him. Tom's a master researcher, okay? He researches. So is Greg Share. So is the most successful people I've done business with. There is this ability to research that people don't put value behind. So even today with NFTs, yesterday when I was calling, uh, we were on the phone with Jake yesterday on the way yeah. to Miami, and I'm talking about BitCloud because I'm getting ready to you know, introduce it to a few different people, and mm-hmm. we're talking to crypto attorneys. Can they be sued? How can you be sued? Are you selling securities? What could happen? What could not happen? you got to do research to get your questions That's answered, right? Questions. Yeah. So, so, so these, these things with cards, mm-hmm. these things with NFTs, we're being hit up by so many different angles right now. So many different things are being talked about right now that we don't know about. So rather than just jump in and saying, I'm going to go in there, and I'm gonna, I don't know what's going on, I'm going to do it. Why don't you take a full day and research two of the topics that interest mm-hmm. you the most? Exactly. That's all I'm talking about. You know, that's what you got to be doing. You got to do your own case studies. But you talked about, you know, NFTs with uh, millennials putting their money in NFTs. I'm going to go into the stats about NFTs, okay, uh-huh. which has to do with what happened with stimulus check stopping. So NFT price crash yep. steers pop. debate on whether stimulus-led f- uh, fad is over. This is a Bloomberg story. Mm-hmm. How it started in February, 20,000 buyers spent more than $45 million on basketball clips in a single day. Let me say that one more time. 20,000 buyers spent $45 million on basketball clips in a single day. Today, the average price of NFTs is essentially trading Tradable digital certificates that use blockchain technologies to prove ownership and pro, uh, uh, provenance on online assets have tumbled almost 70% from a peak in February to about $1,400. Chris Wilmer, University of Pittsburgh academic who co-edits a blockchain research journal, said NFTs aren't in a bubble any more than cryptocurrencies is in a bubble. There will be manias and irrational exuberance, but mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies cleared here to stay with us for the long term, and NFTs are probably too. NFTs are far from risk-free, whether due to further further price drops, so-called wash training, trading where deals that look uh, uh, genuine are actually done by a small group to create an illusion of high demand or plain fraud. I'm going to read that last part one more time. Folks, if you're listening, let me read that last part again, and I want to get your thoughts on this. NFTs are far from risk-free, whether due to further price drops, 
so-called wash trading. Wash trading. It's a wash. You buy from a friend at a high price, and you kind of make it work, but the price of the NFT goes higher, where deals that look genuine are actually done by small groups to create an illusion of high demand or plain fraud. That is happening. Mm. That's not everybody. That's right. happening with a small percentage that's given a bad rep. Tom, thoughts on NFTs? Well, you know what? Easter was yesterday, and there is no new sin in the world. That's what we found out. The sinfulness and the greed of man is consistent. And what you see here on NFTs, there's a little phrase called pump and dump. Yeah, and that's written down right here, baby. Yep, that's, right. that's exactly right. This has been going on since the pink sheets. Hey, I've got the pink sheets, by the way, was where ultra since low. The Jordan Belford, Wall, uh, Wolf yeah, of Wall the Street, ultra low special. Correct. Ultra low price stocks are out there. A bunch of guys get together, create some trades. There's a little pop, looks like momentum. They they get on the phone, uh, start calling people, fake research reports, pump and dump. Pop. Pop. Boom. Right. Oh, my gosh, you're right. I just looked at that thing. You're right. It was at two yesterday, and that's two and a half. Now it's three, three and a quarter, four. Oh, my goodness, at $4 a share, I could get in there with, wow, $100. I could get 25 Wow, I could put $1,000, and I could get this. Pump and dump. Tomorrow morning, it's back up $1.75. Yeah. And so— It's nothing new. It's nothing it's new. It's been going on. It's going to continue going that's on. Exactly especially in right. an unregulated product today. And for people that, you know, millennials or someone maybe younger, younger entrepreneurs listening, pump and dump was something that was happening in the 70s and 80s and kind of that kind of went away. But in Wolf of Wall Street, you saw the, 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 the you I'm going to give a completely different room. side of what you're saying right and now. So, but I'm saying is this yeah. is nothing new. And so people say, wow, where did this come from? This crime is not a new idea. I'm going to give you a completely different side. Yeah. Did you want to say something on no, that? I, I kind of know where you're going, but I'm gonna, I, I think, it, I think the fact that it is non-fungible... This keyword, you know where I'm going. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, I'm just setting you up for. Dude, why don't you just tell us your gift of reading people's minds? I yeah, I have. A, I mean, I, I have you, a distinct gift. Well, I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because I'm going to bring this back to you now, baby. Say it. Because I loved your intro from that video you did yesterday, and you said, "Look, you know, you, you, you everyone, you've seen Pat." The You're a researcher as well. I'm becoming more wow. of a researcher. I, you know, the osmosis with the biz doc. But you said, Pat, <laughs> "I don't, I, I don't." I say, "I don't know what." Uh, what crypto is? I'm not. Un I don't understand yeah. what bit, uh, blockchain is. What's an NFT? What's fungible? I don't know what fungible means. I don't. And then you said, "Listen, a lot of people don't know. It's okay. Do your research." Yeah. And right. I had to do. Uh, dude, we're, hand I got I, a year ago. If you asked me what an NFT was, I was like, "What did you just spell NFL wrong?" I have no clue what it was. A year ago. Most yeah. people don't even know what Fungible was two weeks okay, ago. Okay, there we go. Today. There but we you go. Are, yeah. But you are a good mind reader. You have ESPN. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> An NFL reference, ESPN. We're going sports here. Not too much sports, though, value tainers. Um, but that's where I'm thinking that, you know, your story that you always tell about the Picasso. But the freaking Picasso. Story, yeah. But the guy he goes to the deathbed and sees Picasso. Yeah. It's his last painting. The beauty of these non-fungibles is that you can't duplicate them yep. you can't sort of mm -hmm. bring the pump and dump corruption mentality yep. to this so i'm setting you up because i'm sure you have a lot more to elaborate no, I, on i'm going a complete different direction oh, okay so i'm going a complete different mind. direction so the story starts off with us talking about stimulus checks right yes sir what right. these kids did and then tom talked about them being responsible and you talked about the mm -hmm. one girl you met in miami that spent what forty two hundred dollars her whole, whole stimulus check and i'm assuming that's fourteen hundred times three which is forty two hundred dollars okay she, great she blew it a check so that's what she did right here's here's where i go yeah. go to the 18 year old tom go to the 18 year old when Adam. he was partying spring break when he was in miami non-stop yeah, go to the baby. 18 year old pbd right With my chain and my clock yeah i can see that <laughs> chain on your clock you and flavor Flav. but, but if you go back to the 20 20 year old 18 year old pbd i'm in the army i'm getting yep. out of the army i have no clue what to do okay let me tell right. you what i did with my money let me tell you what i did with my money uh i did anything i could to 10x my money 
Okay. Mm. I bought penny stocks. I bought a penny stock one time for five cents. This penny stock within a week went to 75 cents. I was on top of the world for one hour. And yeah. then it went back to three cents. And I thought, you know, I'm, 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 got out. I, I didn't get out. Though. I didn't get out because with, and and with penny stocks, you can't sell as fast as you can with, you know, different kind of oh, stocks, a different kind right. of thing. So then I said, you know what? Screw this. I took my money and I just went and bought a bunch of Nike stock. I started fooling around online. And then I went and yeah. bought a bunch of different things. I started risking my money in these different things. You know how much I ended up losing? I lost $49,000. I was on $49,000 of debt in my early 20s. Wow. Debt mm. in my early 20s. Why? Taking a crap load of risk, nonsense risk that had no clue what I was doing with my money. Uninformed risk. Uninformed risk. Mm -hmm. Then finally, non-research risk. At no, no, 20, you can at take 21, a lot of risk, but with research. At twenty-one, twenty-two, I get my Series Seven. Okay, I go to Morgan Stanley, get my sixty-three, all those licenses that comes to me. Then I start learning about the ability to research. Then I start focusing on one industry. Things change. Here's my point: If you're young and you're listening to this. You're 18, 19, 20, 21, and you're screwing off with your money, you're throwing into NFTs or whatever you're doing. Yeah. There's a part of me that says that 18-year-old Tom may have done that a little bit. Sure. There's a part of me that says the 18-year-old Adam may have been like, you know what? I don't know. There's a part of me that says, because you know, as you get older, all you want to do is you want to talk about how responsible mm -hmm. we were and we forget <laughs> about how irresponsible we were. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of taking that risk that the younger generation is doing. If you're going to spend $4,200 at a nightclub versus putting it in NFTs, guess where I'm banking for? I'd Put rather take the NFTs. Yeah, go into right. the NFTs. You know, go into the NFTs and see, see what that can turn into. But if there is any advice you can take from three men sitting at this table in their 40s. I'm going I'm to I'm leave it at that. Three gentlemen <laughs> sitting at this table in their 40s. 40s means you're above 40s. We're all in our 40s. Yeah, of course. Is do some research on yeah. any of these topics. Mm -hmm. Let's go into what the Bank of America folks are saying. Speaking of research. Yes. Investors should buy real assets from wine to art as inflation reaches a secular turning point, Bank of America says. A story by Business Insider. Since the election of President Joe Biden, inflation and its potential comeback has been a hot economic topic. Pumping trillions of dollars into the economy could overheat, critics say, while others see few signs of runway inflation either now or near future. Bank of America chief investment strategist Michael Hartnett has seen enough to declare a, a secular turning point on inflation and anticipates that stock market returns will be lackluster over the next decade. Let me read that one more time. This is not an employee at Bank of America. This is not a director. This is not an advisor. This is not an accountant. This is the chief investment strategist, Michael Hartnett, has seen enough to declare a secular turning point on inflation anticipates that stock market returns will be lackluster over the next decade. Stock investors who've seen a roughly 10% annual return from recent de decades should expect that gain to go down to 3 to 5% over the course of 2020s, he added. But he has a recommendation. Buy real assets such as real estate, commodities, and even collectibles like wine, art, diamonds, cars could outperform in the next decade. You know what this is? This is collectibles. Mm -hmm. These are things that you cannot right. duplicate. You cannot get another Grace Kelly PSA 10 1955 card. You can't duplicate these things, right? The chance of that happening is slim to none. So investors don't need to own the physical assets, Hartnett added, but instead can own REITs, real estate investment trusts and specialized funds that focus on these assets. So he's, he's saying the next decade, if you read it right, land is going to go up, real estate is going to go up, anything that you can just print is going to go up. Tom, I'm going to go to you uh, first on this story. What are your thoughts? Um, Do you agree with them? Okay. 
B of A's alter ego in the investment banking world on Wall Street is? Goldman. Merrill Lynch. Yeah, Merrill Lynch, Merrill, yeah. yeah. Yep. So That's right. They bought them out like in, in 11 correct. years ago, 10 and it's years like, ago. And it just so happens we have a REIT and a specialized fund that we could help you out with this. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of retail sale here going on, but I, I think he's right because he's, he's describing a simple analysis. If inflation goes up, and these returns go to three to five over here, then your return could be, you know, 10% over here. I think that's a really sliver of a, of a gap there, but, you know, I, I don't disagree with it. And I think with inflation, I think, you know, the collectibles that are not in infinite supply, I think that works. I, you know, it's an, I think it's a valid investment strategy, but it's one of many strategies. Yeah, I think... Um... I'll take this with a grain of salt. This is one guy. There's going to be other analysts that are right. going to say, put your money in the stock market. Are you crazy? This is So I think the, the a couple of key lessons for all our friends out there watching this is, number one, diversification. Mm-hmm. So should mm-hmm. you be in the stock market? A resounding yes. Should you have all your money in the stock market? Maybe not. Maybe you should diversify and have some REITs. Like, for instance, I'm very big. I rent. I think I've been very vocal about that. I don't buy... Houses, I just kind of keep it moving, and I'm very flexible, and I move from Miami to Boca to Dallas. But it's a lifestyle choice. It's a lifestyle choice. Obviously, when I have kids and I settle down, it's a different story. But I might even still rent at that point. Sure. But I'm all in on the stock market, and things have done very well over the last decade and and change. Um, But should you put a a sliver of your money in REITs? Maybe 10%. Sure. Should you put 10% of your – 5 to 10% of your assets into crypto? Sure. But the bulk of it should be in the stock market, in my opinion, whether it's a 401k, bulk of it should be in the stock market. I think so, yes. I think Mm -hmm. so, yes. Because, again, building the average investor. Yes. Or even the, I mean, for everyone. But, like, don't forget, building wealth is a marathon, not a sprint. We talked about the 18 year old getting into debt and trying to get rich quick. And then I think it worked out pretty well for you. Um, But it's a marathon, not a sprint. The, The goal, if you're 18 or 21 or 25, is to get rich by 30. It's to. I, I just think an 18 year old can take a lot more risk. Well, clearly, yeah, you, you should. You, you, the risk exactly tolerance right. for an 18, 19, 20 year old is like. Well, you can bounce back a lot easier. Yeah. That's why they say that if you're just 80. Just not the dumb, big mistake. Well, not you debt. Cannot, not, not going backwards. No, not. Well, I got into debt 49,000. I mean, I was into debt nonstop, is what I was into. So, but what I'm saying to you is not the dumb mistake. You can't make right. the dumb mistake. The dumb mistake is. You get caught something that, you know, gets you a felony or something yeah. that hurts you to go into a business or your record, things like that. Mm-hmm. All the other mistakes, you can lose all the money in the world if you're yeah. younger. Not all the money in the world, but you can lose some money because you can recover from it. Of course. But but, the, but you're saying, like, getting arrested, having, no, having no, a mark no, on your record. Not, like, like that, selling, that selling me. you know, drugs just to make money. No, and no, you no, get, no, I'm not yeah. talking about Play that. Play the long game yeah. with that. So I don't want anybody to quote me and say, Pat, you said... Anything to take the risk. Here, I'm not saying that. Here's my last point. I, be, I believe in something called the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. So like, we've talked uh, sort of the theme of this podcast so far is do your research. You know, find out what's going on out there. So they're giving you a lot of recommendations of where you can kind of put your money, whether it's real estate, commodities, collectibles, wine, art, diamonds. Like, I don't know anything about wine other than if I'm going to have a glass of dinner. Yeah, I'll take the cab. Cool. I'm not going to become a wine investor. I don't know anything about art. I'm not going to become a art investor. So... I do know about basketball. I do know about the NBA. So yeah, I'd put ten grand on a Zion Williamson card because I understand that marketplace. I understand hard assets like real estate, but I'm not trying to buy a property. So that's why I'm a big advocate of REITs, real estate investment mm-hmm. trusts, with people out out there that aren't familiar with with that. But diversify. But I would say, regardless of your age, fifty percent 
if not more, of your what, core what, asset what do you allocation about? What should do you, be in the S and P five hundred. This guy's telling you to to. You know how you say, hey, you know th- what he's doing is he's selling because it's Merrill Lynch and all that, right? Okay, let's just say yes, he mm-hmm. is. But but Tom, I think he's observing it, and selling. But but I think if you read it, the guy says real a- real as- real assets such as real estate, commodities, mm-hmm. and even collectibles like wine, art, diamonds, and car could outperform outperform in the next decade. Those are none of the products he sells. Mm-hmm. If you like, he's not selling wine. He's not selling art. He's not selling diamonds. He's not selling cars. That's not what B of A specializes in. Correct. He is selling, not selling away. It's a yeah. bad term for the financial industry, but he's selling to yeah. a different direction. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you're one of his advisors and you're sitting there saying, why, why are you as a chief investment strategist talking about buying what I can't make money on? How do you want me to make commission so I can get your money back to you? You think he's so, facing backlash? No, what I'm saying is I like his honesty. I like the fact that he's – because most of the time when you hear – like I, I go to you know these events with Goldman Sachs and the chief economist will speak and all these guys will speak. They'll typically give you whatever recommendation yeah. mm-hmm. and you know you know what I'm talking about. They'll tell the company exactly right. But, but I like the fact that – I don't know him. I've never met him. I don't know his story. I don't know his background. Yeah. For all I know, it's, he could be you know someone who's against capitalism. But Pull up Michael Hartnett. Yeah, but, but all America. I can Let's say is the like. fact that he's selling this the way he's saying – Cars, diamonds, art, and wine. Yeah, there's some integrity in it in what he's saying. That's all he's I'm saying. He's saying cars. He didn't I say think cards, so. but cars. Was, not no. car, I didn't say cards. Cars. Right. Which I mean, I don't know what kind of cars mm-hmm. he's referring well, to. Let he's me tell about you, classic Tom, cars. Tom, why don't you tell us? Tell us how much money is made in in cars, collectible cars, like literally. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy classic. Money. We're oh, talking no, no. about classic Crazy cars. money. Right. You know Crazy money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand Look, that. You put a line for the S&P 500 and you put a line for collectible Ferraris. His the Ferraris are Hartnett, crushing it. Sam Hartnett. H-A-R-T-N-E-T-T. I'm sorry, Tom. Keep going. You were saying. No, if you looked at Ferraris just as a, from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, just look at those vehicles and look at them, say, as an S&P 500 and the Ferrari market letter, which is almost Go to Wikipedia. The stock market for that. It is phenomenal, the money you've made on that. And so you can go get smart about it. You don't have to own it. You can, with a consortium, you can own them. But it's just amazing. And by the way, also, this, this guy, how do we know that he, he was honest with what he said? This is a Business Insider story. So how much of all this did he expect to see in print? Was that an offhand comment that he made talking about inflation? And he makes an offhand comment about cars and stuff, and it puts it in print. And then meanwhile, Business Insider's well, as you said in the story, well, that part was off the record. I wasn't supposed to say that. Yeah. I was talking about the, yeah. the other things. Well, it is what it and, is. And you know what's really interesting about the stock market? I saw something... Somebody asked me, say, look, how do I how do I learn about the stock market? I said, look, Don't stock, worry about mar- it, Sam. stock market's got a risky side, and stock market has a more conservative side that has a lot less risk. And one of the best things I saw was, um, you know, 529s. What's a 529? College it's a college savings, college, yeah. college savings plan. And so who buys into college savings plans? Moms Parents. and dads. Right. Who might not know anything about it other than maybe they have a pension but the pension is managed by somebody else so they may not be retail investors with any sort of knowledge of stock market there's this great analysis that said the closer your child gets to college you can just click the box here and we will reduce the risk in your 529 sort of like a target date fund that they do that's exactly right but but again these people don't know what that means but it was a beautiful explanation Mm -hmm. that says hey the risk here at kindergarten is going to be here, but we're going yeah. to be reducing the risk the closer they get to college because although there is still risk in this fund, there's still risk of loss, the closer we get to college, we want to turn down the market risk. Mm-hmm. That's our job. That's what you're trusting us to do. And then you read this thing, and I'm like, 
when I first saw that, I think it was TIA Kreft did it. I said, wow, what a great explanation for parents that lets you walk away saying, okay, this is how the 529 is going to roll. And also it was a primer on being in the stock market, but not everything is just throwing darts at the wall. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, I think with anything with investing, much like in anything with life, it comes down to risk versus reward, right? So something that I, when I was like, I don't know how to invest. I don't know when I was in my early uh, mid twenties, I learned about the 80, 20 rule. The closer you are to age 20, the more you can have 80% in stocks, 20% in bonds. The closer you are to 80, more closer to 80% bonds, 20% stocks. So depending on your age, like Pat, like said, when he said, uh, when he was in 18 years old and he took on a lot of debt, you have time to bounce back. You can take on more risk, not dumb risk, not getting arrested, not out there selling drugs, not getting in stupid fights, not anything like that. But the younger you are, can take on more risk. The older you are, if you're in your 80s, you shouldn't be in 100% equities. You should be in more likely 80 or 90% bonds and less stock. So everything in life comes to risk and reward. And just like the 529 plan, when someone's in kindergarten, they've right. got 18, you know, eight, no, not 18, uh, 12 plus years to for their money to grow. I, I uh, did some basic math there. Versus if they're a sophomore, less time to make their yep. money grow. Well, I'll loop one more thing around NFTs because that's where this part of this segment started, is I don't see any difference in what's happening in F- NFTs, first issues right now, from IPOs. There are IPOs that come out and they're a little bit rust. It's a weaker company, but they have this amazing first day and then they settle and then they all come back. Some of my last couple of case studies were companies that I showed. Hey, well, look, they had this huge, huge pop came down, but then they stuck discipline, 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 growth, 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 profit, 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 and the price comes back up. I think that's you're seeing that with NFTs. Wow, I love basketball. You know, LeBron James is only making 100 versions of that one dunk, his first official NBA dunk. Oh, my goodness. Pop. Well, I think over time, there's still only 100 of those. Mm-hmm. So I think the yeah. value will come back. But it is kind of like a little. A lot of this, there's a little bit of this IPO pop at the beginning, wouldn't Speaking you say, Speaking of IPO, I, I have a good idea for you uh, for our next segment. We might cover it today, but if we don't, I'll tell it to you after the show. I mean, uh, think about it. Tom Brady rookie card sold for a record-breaking $2.25 million. The Autograph 2000 Playoff Contender Championship rookie ticket was a part of Le- uh, Leland's uh, Spring Classic 2021 collection. The opening bid was at $75,000, but 67 offers later. And the anonymous buyer walked away with the item, item for a record $2.25 million. The card is one of the only 100 ever made and. uh uh, was previously purchased on eBay over a decade ago when it remained in a private collection before being sold. Think about it. A guy bought this on eBay mm-hmm. over a decade ago, keeps it, doesn't do anything. Ten years later, puts it in an auction, sells it for $2.25 million. The rare item received an 8.5 grade and a 9 on the signature. Broke a record. Prior record was uh, $1.2 million of also Tom Brady. Uh, and then you also had the Super, Super Mario Brothers. Game. Can you pull up the picture here? Super Mario Brothers game unopened, sold for six sixty from nineteen eighty six. Type in Super Mario, Mario, and then just type um, uh, uh, unopened. Type in unopened. There you go. Uh, open box. Yeah. Click on that. Let's see if it comes up six sixty. Can you type in six hundred sixty thousand dollars? Six hundred and sixty. Yeah. Type in right there. Let's see what comes up. Go to news. No, no, go to all, all, all. Yeah. Uh, there you go, right there. Go to the second one, CNN. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Look at that. That sold for 660 That right there sold for 
dollars just because it's unopened. Yeah. It got a grade of nine point six. So again, you can't duplicate that. You either have it or you don't have it. Yep. And somebody may say, "What a stupid thing to own." Yeah. But it's unopened from nineteen eighty six, which is how many years ago? Thirty five years ago. Mm-hmm. Someone sees value in that. So mm-hmm. you may have some things you're buying right now that no one's paying attention to. Sit on it for a little while. Well, see I think what that, happens. That's to where it. I was going with this. Is there's yeah. a similar theme here. You said sit on it. I say buy and hold. So, or as my crypto friends will say, buy and hodl. You've seen that before. Yeah. So, uh, good things take time, as they say, and sometimes it's going to take a decade, like the Tom Brady story, or sometimes it's going to take three and a half decades for your money to matriculate. But good things take time, and it goes back to my initial philosophy that building wealth is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, let me say this though: Zach Shaw just yeah. gave five bucks. Yep. And he said, just found out about VT Economics. Not VT. Okay. VT Economics go, Channel Zach. yesterday. Adam, you did a fantastic job with the Miami Vacation Case Study. And big shout out to the BizDoc yep. as oh, well. Thank you so big much. Big shout out to the BizDoc as well. My partner on the VT yes. Economics. And Daniel DiMartino. You Dan- guys do a great DDB. job together, the three of you. And I just did an interview DDM. with Danielle that completely crushed it. And next Friday, I get a huge interview coming out with none other than the BizDoc Biz himself. Doc. So yes. we're, uh, we're we're keeping it in the family here. But shout out to all our friends out there watching Value Tame and Economics. Looking forward to that. I'm going to sit down hold, with baby. you next week. Buy and hold. We're going to get to know the BizDoc. And we're going to have a beer during that interview. So We should do that. So uh, have let's, a big milk. We used to do a beer in business. Let's go to like your best friend, Janet Yellen. Oh, Somebody I thought you were going with DJT. I thought you were going with 45. Wow. Very okay. big fan of. When Janet she's Yellen, Biden said she's Janet that, Yellen she's got that is guilt it, vibe. Adam was ecstatic on the ecstatic. podcast. Yellen to push for global <laughs> minimum tax on corporations. Let me say that one more time. Yellen to push for global minimum tax on corporations, CNBC. However, not just on corporations. She is pitching this to have a tax on corporations around the world, not U.S. By the way, what he has here, the story that you have here, Kai, is not the story I was looking at. Is there the story of, she says, global tax or no? It's uh, top of page six. Janet Yellen will call for minimum tax levy on corporations around the world in an effort to keep companies from relocating to find lower rates. Yellen will tell the Chicago Council on Global Affairs Conference that established a minimal global corporate rate will help bring stability and provide a more level playing field for all countries. Under the Biden administration, proposals to raise a corporate tax rate as a way to pay for a $2 trillion infrastructure improvement plan, the corporate tax rate would climb to 28% from a 21%. That increase would come just four years after former President Donald Trump slashed it from 35 to 21 which at the time was the highest in the world at 35 Wait, back up and say that again. Forget about Trump. 35 to 21 United States corporate tax just was the years ago in the world. That's right. Forget yeah. about Trump. What you feel about him? Thirty-five percent. In other words, companies here in America were paying more tax than anywhere on the planet. Companies, hey, companies also had him incentivized to hide revenue offshore. Something the Trump tax cut also addressed by adding reparation. Rep, uh, rep, Tom, pronounce that word right there. Uh, repatriation. Repatriation. In other words, big dollars in savings accounts overseas get brought home to U.S. banks. Yes. The Biden plan would uh, call for an increase in the offshore tax rate to 21 from 10 and a half. Okay. All that stuff we've already talked about. Let's let's emphasize one area here. Mm -hmm. So Janet Yellen goes to the G20 saying, hey, why don't we all have the same corporate tax rate rather than just U.S. raising it? Why don't we all agree on the same number? What do you think about that? Well, if you're, and I have a list of the co- countries with the lowest corporate tax rate, 
It makes no sense for you to do because that's your competitive advantage. What are the countries we're talking about? Hungary, 9%. Montenegro, 9%. Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, 10%. Bulgaria, 10%. This is corporate tax right now you're talking about. This is the lowest corporate taxes in the world. Uh, Moldova, 12%. Cyprus, 12.5%. Everyone's familiar with that Ireland has very low corporate mm-hmm. tax rate, 12.5%. Apples in Ireland, right? Albania, 15%. So you're talking about basically somewhere about 10 and 15% for most of these countries. This is their competitive advantage. Like, why the hell are you going to Moldova or uh, Montenegro unless they have to relocate your corporate business unless they actually have low corporate tax rates? And we kind of covered this with Byron last week. And it's stuff that it blew my mind. I didn't understand the double taxation with, you know, if you're corporate tax and then if you want to pull money out, there's an income tax and yep. and all that. But I think where Yellen is going with this and a couple different points here is I think what she's aiming to do. I'm not saying that these countries are going to play ball because I think that it mitigates their um, competitive advantage. Why would they give that up? But she's basically selling this will prevent offshoring it was essentially what that whole repatriation incentivizing um thing that was Trump that the Trump tax cuts were addressing. So I don't know if these countries are going to play ball. I, don't, I think this is something she's no, just putting out there. What do you think about it? What do you think about it? What do you think about getting the corporate tax rate for G, you know, the top 20, whatever economies the you G20? want to talk about okay. to be the same exact number? What do you think about that? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think if you're America and you have traditionally the highest tax rate, 35%, and Trump it down, brought it down to 21, and now it's at 28, or Biden's at least pitching 28 i know they're in a round of negotiations right now maybe they meet in the middle they're at 25 i think it's freaking great for america but i don't who, know if who what, i'm sorry who is america who is america who is america you said it's great for america who is america american corporations you're talking about or taxpayers you're talking about no no but you said it's great for america who is america you said you said if america is able to get this corporate tax rate to go and be the same it is great for america which, to keep our corporations. Why would we want our corporations leaving so, and going so overseas? So who wins, though? Who wins in America? Who wins in America if we keep all that the same and there is no competition for corporate tax rate? Which part of America wins? The people, the entrepreneurs, small business owners, or the tax collectors in D.C.? The U.S. government, uh, the, the U.S. Above, Treasury. Right? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said all of the above wins? I think so. So tell yeah. me, tell me how all of the above wins. Well, if the corporations stay here uh, and they're paying mm-hmm. lower taxes than having to go elsewhere, there's some incentives with that. More jobs, but obviously the big one is taxes. The IRS, the, you know, I think that's something that they'd be interested in. So, keeping so, the taxes. so Uncle then Sam. let me ask you a question: Who who keeps the government honest? If the government doesn't have any competition, who keeps the government honest? Corporations, I guess. How do you do that? You don't have the final say. The corporations are nothing. They're nobodies. How do you how do you keep uh, uh, government honest? If if the corporation has no other place to go, like no other place to go, where what, 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 what I mean, where is the leverage for the customer and the corporation to complain and say we don't like the way we're being treated? What's the government gonna say? Go to any of the G20. It's the same thing. Yeah. You don't like us. You know, go to Turkey. Figure it out, because yeah. it's same everywhere. You lose officially, and you have no say. You already, if you go to DMV and you file a complaint about DMV on Yelp, you know how many people read it? Nobody. Yeah, because it's the go post DMV. a review on Yelp and see how many the uh, DMV employees respond to you. <laughs> go ahead, try today. Yeah, not happening. Go to your local DMV. Go to the front desk, Clinton and Catherine or Johnny. 
He's not going to say, hi, how are you? How was your day? Well, have a wonderful day. He's just going to tell you, excuse me, sit down. And go right on Yelp. Catherine told me to sit down, and I didn't like it. And see how many people are going to say, we're sorry you feel that way. We totally understand. That's mm-hmm. not the right approach. We are working to bring it up in our next training routine to make sure that never happens again. Go, go ahead and see where yeah. t- TSA okay. or Yelp, uh, TSA or DME, go file a complaint about TSA on Yelp. Go ahead. I'd Fair love enough. to see you do it. Let's see what happens. Where's accountability if, if all of a sudden right. yell and convince us all of these guys? Tom, let me just turn it over to you here. Big countries have been doing this to little countries for a thousand years. And the big countries are trying to take the competitive advantage away from the small countries. The reason Apple's in Ireland and a million other examples you could have is because there is an economic advantage and there is a labor force there and it was better for them and better for their stock price and better for their overall return. And now you've got the empire strikes back where they're coming in and saying, wait a minute, why don't we just make the uh, high tax, uh, tax rate even for everyone. She's not talking about the 15% tax rate in Ireland. She's talking about the 35% rate. Why don't we just make 35%? Now, the small companies, small countries, oh, wow, they're going to collect 35 tax. Yeah, but they're going to have fewer, you know, organizations coming to them to do it. So big countries have been doing it to small countries forever. I mean, this goes back to revolutionary times where Britain would harvest trees from the U.S., take them build furniture, and then sell them back to the colonists. That's called mercantilism. And people say, wait a minute. So you cut down the tree that was in America. You then turned it into a chair and then sold it back to the American that lived down the street from the tree cut down. Yeah, that's right. So big countries have been doing this to small countries forever. The fact that Yellen brings up her proposal is only to benefit the dirt that she's standing on when she makes that proposal, which represents this is the U.S. government and the U.S. Treasury. That's it. President Biden's proposal announced last week. Watch this. this That's is what my she's opinion. Saying. This is what she says, by the way. President Biden's proposal announced last week call for bold domestic action, including the raise, uh, to raise the U.S. minimum tax rate and renewed international engagement, recognizing that it is important to work with other countries to end the pressures of tax comp- competition and corporate tax. L- let me read the sentence. To work this, with let, other countries to end no, the pressure no, no, of no, tax no, competition. Me, hey, Ireland, knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> let me read this statement one more time. Bold President Biden's proposal announced last week called for bold domestic action, including to raise the U.S. minimum tax rate and renewed international engagement, recognizing that it is important to work with other countries to end the pressures of tax competition (laughs) (laughs) and corporate tax-based erosion. The pressures on who? On her? On us? Said Ms. Yellen. We are working with G20 nations to agree to a global minimum corporate tax rate that can stop the race to the bottom. Look, let me let me give you let me Wait, give read you, those last three lines. Stop the race to where the bottom, which is benefits who the government. No, the race to the bottom benefits the uh, the smaller the, the company that can go where it but, wants. But let me say this to you. <laughs> let me say this to you. You ever hear when uh, uh, Sanders gets up there and Sanders will say an argument like this, or Sanders would say it, or Obama would say it, or Hillary would say it, any of these guys would say it. How can we be the most powerful, richest country in the world and we don't offer health care? Every other country in Europe does it, right? You know what happens here? They can't use that argument. Because when, when, a, when a politician says that, the average voter says what? The average voter says, huh? If all these other countries in Europe and Canada offer health care, why don't we? 
you know what? I'll vote for it. It is an American right to have health insurance given to everybody because Europe's doing it. Fair. No problem. I get something. I want something. You just told me I could get something, so now I want it. But flip it. Now, on this side, Mm -hmm. they can't say, we're raising the corporate tax rate to 28% because that's what all the European countries do. See, they don't have that statement today to make. So they want to get it up so they can say, look, it's what everybody does. It's normal. It's what everybody does. That's right. They don't have that argument because the moment they say they want to raise a corporate tax rate, guess what Republicans say? We are the highest, we have the highest corporate tax rate where? In, in, the, in world. the world. And Democrats are like, and then the voter, the average voter, the average voter, voter is not a dummy. Voter sits there and says, we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. Why would America have the highest corporate tax rate in the world? Mm-hmm. Let me go do a little bit of research. They come back and say, yeah, I'm not with that. I don't think we should have the highest corporate. Even a Democrat would say, I don't want to have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. But if they get this argument in, then guess what? It's okay if we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. You want to eliminate competition with government taxes? Are you kidding me? That's what saves America. Where we have, uh, like the other day, I was talking to, um, uh, uh, I can't wait for this interview. I, li- I seriously cannot wait for this interview to come out with uh, the guy who bought. Uh, Beeple's uh, NFT, Metacobit, right, $69 million. And uh, he said, I said, so why do you live in Singapore? He says, why do I live in Singapore? He says, no taxes on capital gains. My income taxes are around 10 or 20%. No regulation. I don't have to report anything. Nobody wants to know how much money I have. He says, do you know why I don't want to move to America? I said, why? Look what the guy says. He says, I don't want to move to America because I'm worried the moment I go into America, for the rest of my life, they can trace me to pay taxes on things I did in the past because now they have my fingerprint. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Singapore doesn't care who I am and what I'm doing. Singapore, all they care about is for me to pay 10 or 20% of income, zero capital gains, low regulation, nothing. This is why myself and many others like living in Singapore. You think America likes that? Hell no. You think these politicians today in the left like Yellen's and Warren and AOC's and Biden, those guys like that? Absolutely not. But you know what a message like that from Singapore does? Pisses these people off to say, damn it, I was about to take you to 35, but you know what? Why don't we just settle at 25, corporate tax rate? If we don't have that argument from Mm -hmm. the other side, they can take you to 35. You can't say nothing because all they're going to do is say, hey, G20, we're going to take this to 35. You guys also got to take it to 35, and they have to do it. It's a monopoly. So it's control. The, the word that I'm coming to mind because you brought it up there is just competition. Without competition, you have nothing. Do You're, we have competition? Of course. Right now, this podcast, does it have competition? Yes, we do. Do you have competition with a life settlement Everyone, guy? Yeah, of course. Do I have competition? Does everybody here having a job have competition? Yeah. Does Tom have competition? Does the uh, Uber driver have competition? Does Lyft have competition? Does a pizza joint have competition? Does an, it, it, Italy, you know, a sub joint have competition? Do states have competition? So should governments. Why only put the competition on us, small businesses and employees and states, and take the competition off the government? How is that fair? So we get to have the pressure of going to sleep at night worrying about our competitor taking a market share from us, but you don't get to have that pressure? No, we believe in equal opportunity. And you, politicians, also need to have competition. Well, I think what it what uh, you know, as an American, you want to say like, well, no, you know, no, America first, and we no one should compete with America. No. It 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 holds America accountable, so we can't get fat and lazy. If you have no competition, you're the only person. You're the fat cat. You're only company doing X, Y, or Z. You have no competition. That's how you'll become fat, lazy, sloppy. Like your DMV example. If if someone goes on to Mm -hmm. Yelp and says, "Well, uh, 
Mary down at the DMV told me to sit down and there's no response, there's no accountability. How did you improve? So like you always say, outlast, out improve, out yeah. strategize. And if you don't have to do any of that because you have no competition, that's how empires crumble. Absolutely right. And you know, there's a little case study on this. It's real easy. Eduardo Saverin, who is the co-founder of Facebook, who moved to Singapore and then renounced his U.S. citizenship. By the way, he was living in Singapore since like 2007. He renounces his citizenship 2009. And people said, wait a minute, you just did this to avoid $700,000, million south of Thailand in, um, in capital gains tax. He said, no, 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 my wife and I just love Singapore. Right. <laughs> and he now lives in Singapore. And so... That's the whole point. It's obviously why, in Southeast Asia. Hey, just why do it, all the pull it up on the maps why do the on. oil barons and the oil pirates live in Belize? Same reason. And people say, "Oh, these are tax havens." These are, no, they're not. This is, these are choices. These are valid choices. But you're group. saying that they're not tax havens? No, no, it, they're not. If all taxes were equal, you wouldn't be living in Singapore. No way. Absolutely right. not. If all taxes were no, you wouldn't. But exactly. by the way, Singapore is necessary. Go to images. Go to images real quick. Where, by the way, take the map out so everybody kind of knows by where way, it's at. Take the map out. Go to the building with the yeah, pool. Yeah, keep going out. 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 Okay, so go down a little bit. Pull it down a little bit. Yeah. You got Thailand. You got Vietnam. You got Cambodia, Malaysia. It's south, south, right there to the east of, uh, to the west of, uh, 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 Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia. You have Australia on this side, but you kind of see where Southeast it's at. Asia, the islands. Now go to the images of Singapore. Go to images of Singapore. Go to images of Singapore, uh, Singapore, there you go. And they just click on images. Okay, I got to tell you, Kai, Sam's coming for your job, bro. Look there, at that. There Competition. Is a, there's a swimming pool that goes yeah. all the way it's around that hotel. It's a beautiful hotel. The shows, uh, uh, the shows that you have admired are beautiful. I the what? The shows that they have admired. You've been to Singapore twice? Yeah. Who is By this By the guy? way, uh, we can't hear your audio. So, say. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the shows that they have a night with uh, the beautiful trees, is it like so vegas beautiful. is it somewhat like vegas it vegas and be. macau combined yeah. yes yeah hmm. so so by the way a lot of movies are shot here just so you know a lot of movies are shot in singapore it's a beautiful place and this is not a pitch for singapore this is for a pitch that singapore is very necessary for america competition singapore is so imagine there is no argument for us right now to talk about what singapore okay. does the guy says capital gains zero. Why pay taxes on capital? He was confused. He says, I don't understand why America taxes you guys on capital gains. I don't get it. Why would you pay tax on capital gains? Why are Americans paying tax on capital gains, right? And Biden goes back again this week talking about a wealth tax. Back at it again. So this whole concept about global corporate tax, folks, if you're listening to this, look, left, right, middle, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, do a little bit of research on what global corporate tax could do to you, especially if you're living in America. If you're living in any other country outside of America, don't even think about voting for that to be passed. If anybody in your state or country is pitching you on, you know the powerful people of U.S. are pitching us to have the same corporate tax rate, you may want to think twice before agreeing 
to want to vote for that. Go ahead. Tom. Absolutely. And here's something else to, to go look at. And everyone is listening. Go get smart. Go look at what the Federal Trade Commission was saying when Sprint and T-Mobile were trying to merge. Oh, this will reduce competition. Competition brings more features, more functionality, more differentiation and better pricing for the consumer. Remember that, Pat? Mm-hmm. We If there's only two or three wireless carriers, they may all just freeze pricing together like only two gas stations on corner. They face each other and they never move the price of gas down per gallon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Federal Trade Commission is very big on this. We protect the consumer. We want to make sure there's competition in the marketplace, which brings lower pricing, new products, differentiation. Those people that are at the Federal Trade Commission are specifically not allowed, apparently, to be at the State Department. Because if they were at the State Department, they'd be like, what are you knuckleheads saying? The competition among countries is good. No, no, no. Go back to the Federal Trade Commission. You're not allowed in here. Turn that guy's badge off. Don't let him get through this door anymore. It's a hypocrisy that's inside of our own government. On one side, we're arguing that we need to level the playing field for us. And on the other side, we're at the Federal Trade Commission not letting companies merge together because, oh, wait a minute, that would be monopolistic. That wouldn't oh, come on. My gosh. Isn't it a hypocrisy? Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the best things in the world is the pressure of having competition. The pressure of having competition is what makes wives treat their husbands better, husbands treat their wives better. Parents to be better parents, men to be better men, women to be better women, teachers to be better teachers, customers to be better customers, employees to be better employees, movies to be better movies, mm-hmm. sports teams to be better sports teams. Right. Competition, like, the other, like yesterday, we're sitting at Soho House. What did Adrian put up on his phone? What did Adrian put on his phone? What were we watching oh, on we his phone? Oh, we were watching phone? the game, Gonzaga How Baylor. many times do we look at the screen? Five times. Yeah. In a span of 45 minutes. You know game, why? Because the game was the Why the out. hell am I going to watch yeah. a 19-point lead by Baylor? Yeah. What, what am I going to watch? And, you know, the Baylor, uh, the, the Gonzaga guy said, I don't know if you saw this thing going viral. Gonzaga guy said, we have the best offensive team in all of college basketball. The Baylor team said, we lift weights with Baylor's football team. <laughs> Meaning like, hey, what are you talking? We're going to whoop your ass. And that's exactly what happened. It was a shellacking on what yeah. happened with them. They lost pretty, pretty bad on Shout what took place. Shout out to Baylor Bears. But here's the point. We didn't watch the phone about five times. No. I literally looked, 15-point yeah. lead. Yeah. I looked, 11 minutes, 17-point lead. I looked, two minutes, 19-point no lead. There's no competition. If there's no it's competition, you will not pay attention to it. Mm. One of the best things for our health and our sanity is competition. Absolutely competition. You would not be in shape today if it wasn't for competition. Man, I, I, I think this I, was a very powerful segment that we just learned because, you know, it, it definitely resonates. And I, I learned something specifically about the corporate tax, but it all comes down to competition. We need it, buddy. We just need it. It makes us get better. That's that's all I'm saying. It makes us get better. Let me give a quick shout out for a couple people that gave some uh, 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 contributed to the channel here. Okay, uh, VT Economics. We give a shout out already to him. Jonas Aung Ye Kyoa. Hi, Pat. Do you think China's involved in military coup in Myanmar where democratically elected leaders are detained and almost 1,000 civilians killed? What do you think I think about that? I mean, obviously, it's a. The point is, I feel very bad for what's going on over there. And unfortunately, China is able to go around doing what they're doing because nobody's holding them accountable and everybody's worried about losing them because of commerce. 
and uh, we're not right now from the top treating them uh, in a way where they're scared of anybody. We're just empowering them even more from U.S. government. David Berkovich gave $5. Time to forget income taxes, consumption taxes, raise more revenue, and don't disincentivize investment and growth. It's a great idea. Will it happen in America? I don't know about that. $50 from uh, Stephen Car- uh, uh, Farkas. PBD, will you debate socialist YouTuber Vanush on minimum wage? Check out his... I will gladly debate anybody who's a socialist, but not a disrespectful one. And he's a disrespectful one. I don't have any time. I have a very basic rule. You respect me, I will Mm -hmm. talk to you. You cross the line and disrespect me, I don't have any tolerance for that. And that's not somewhere where we will entertain. I've had communists on Slavis Zizek. I've had Richard Wolf on where we had the greatest debate. He was known as the number one greatest socialist professor in America by Mm -hmm. Forbes. We had a wonderful conversation. But someone needs to learn how to respect if you do that. Uh, By the way, if I literally watch a video, and within the first minute, you're already disrespecting the person you disagree with. One, it shows weakness. Two, you're not somebody that can do a debate, and we just move on. Next, Mr. Clean, bald guy, gave five bucks. What a nice guy. If you're needing the world to adapt their tax rates because of your spending habits, maybe just maybe it's time to adjust your spending habits. Like Phenomenal that. quote. Yeah. That Great needs to be point. on Twitter, by Mr. the way. Mr. Clean guy, tweet it. Seriously. I'll if retweet you're it. you're needing the world to adapt their tax rates, can you – Mr. Clean, can you send that to me on Twitter and put hashtag PBD podcast? I'm going to retweet that of your tweet. Me too. If you're needing the world to adapt their tax rates, maybe your spending habits, just maybe, it's time to adjust your spending habits. Martin Mirage just gave $3 with a nice emoji. Milan Bogdanovich gave $5 saying check out Peter Schiff's uh, directly addresses Yellen's plan via YouTube. And uh, let's get back into it. Folks, if you got a question, you can ask it on Twitter. PBD Podcast. I actually look at all the tweets, so go on Twitter, hashtag PBD Podcast. I and Sam are following those tweets. Next, Dana White to sell his remaining shares uh, of uh, UFC two decades after buying it for a couple million dollars. It's now a uh, seven uh, seven billion. Who wrote this article? It was one? This is a euro because it's pound. Seven billion pounds, which is what, roughly? It's about a $10 billion company. As tech mogul Elon Musk joins the board of directors of UFC. Interesting. Dana White is set to hand over his remaining shares in UFC as parent company Endeavor prepares to take 100% uh, control over this company. UFC Dana White was installed as the organization's president back in 2001 after his childhood friend Lorenzo Fertitta and his brother Frank bought it for a couple million dollars. He cashed. In when he sold a chunk of his shares to Endeavor in 2016 in a sale for around $3.5 billion. Endeavor conglomerate ran by Hollywood super agent Ari Emanuel. That last name, Emanuel, they produce some players, has already built up a controlling stake of 50.1% of UFC, and now it wants to scoop up the rest. And another boost for Endeavor, tech billionaire Elon Musk is now sitting on their board. What do you think about this, Adam? I mean, this, there's so much to unpack in this story. This is actually... The idea I had for you, um, because this Endeavor group is basically looking to take Mm -hmm. the company public, this was an idea I had for you to do maybe um, a BizDoc episode um, on whatever is going on here with this Endeavor group and UFC. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go back 10 years ago, UFC wasn't even in the conversation as a top sport. Wasn't even the conversation. I mean, it's not in the big three or the big four or whatever Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, you know, soccer, track and field, boxing. It certainly, was a, it was a comedy brand. Yeah, <laughs> and now UFC is certainly bigger than boxing these days. Oh my god! Boxing goodness. is so below UFC these days that the biggest fights in boxing are fifty-year-olds Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. 
or weigh-ins or, or weigh-ins <laughs> or freaking Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Like that's how far boxing has sunk versus UFC. So, and it all kind of falls on Dana White, what he's been able to do. And it started with a $1.5 million investment or 1.5 million pounds, which is probably closer to two, $2 million. And now his 1.5 investment is worth what? Seven billion? What is that? No, 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 not his. Okay. Not Dana White. Dana White is only ten percent of that eight billion dollars, and he okay. sold some of his shares, and now he's going to sell the rest. So he may have sold five percent of it, which for one hundred seventy-five million dollars. Now he's going to sell the other five percent for probably three hundred fifty million dollars. So, so what's he going to walk away with? He's going to probably gonna walk away with a half a billion dollars, somewhere on a half what's a billion. What's his net worth? Do you think? I'm going to say he's between five hundred to a billion dollars is where wow. he's at. Five hundred to seven fifty. So what? The guy's many, a player. What the guy's he, a, he, a thousand time X's money. Where's he at? It's not even about a thousand time X's money. If if Dana White wanted to run for office, he's got that kind of swagger to want to do whatever the hell he wants to do. Why he's the Dana. Hell would he's he told run for he wouldn't do it yeah. because he wants that freedom that he has. Here's here's the thing with Dana White. People don't realize uh, uh, Dana White. Let me just give this shout out to Dana White. You can replace great fighters. You have to realize the UFC's had Anderson Silva, Chuck Liddell, Tito. These guys were legends, yeah. even some of the old school guys. GSP. Connor, where's he at? Connor, the Diaz brothers. Uh, there are so many incredible fighters. We're like, oh my gosh, I enjoy watching this. I want to see another fight of this guy. Mm -hmm. Great Armenian fighter, great Mexican. Randleman. I mean, Randleman was from a different league. The point I'm trying to make to you is fighters have come and gone, but there's one guy that stuck around. And it's been Dana White. Mm -hmm. When you think about UFC, you think about one name. Mm -hmm. You think about Dana White, right? They got another, they got a deep bench right now of guys that could be the next Dana White. And their biggest challenge, whoever buys them, Endeavor, they have to make sure they keep their Dana White. Look when boxing started to take a hit. Think about when boxing started to take a hit. I got a guy that wants to be interviewed on Valley Tamen who was uh, connected to the mob and he was one of the biggest guys when it came down to boxing. You know, we were talking about this guy. You know, his PR uh, publicist reached out to us where they manipulated fights. Hey, you lose in second round, lose in third round, because it's so many ways to make money in boxing. Vegas makes so much money. Gamblers make It's a dirty side of it as well, right? You don't hear that with UFC, but you hear that a lot with boxing. You know when boxing start, started kind of uh, drifting and people stopped following it? When you no longer heard of a guy named Don King. Okay? Hmm. People have to realize there is so much value in a Don King, there is, where the Don King was replaced by a fighter, Mayweather. That's bad news when the Don King becomes a fighter because a fighter is eventually going to what? Stop fighting. The career of a promoter is longer than the career of a what? A, a fighter. fighter for sure. So especially peak, right? So if, if whoever Endeavor, you know, Endeavor comes in here and takes you know, Dana White's rest of the shares out because they want to be 100%. They better give this guy a fat salary with a nice profit sharing and some, you know, additional bonuses because the guy's done a great job. Or slowly but surely, you better start getting that bench set up of the next 10, 12 guys that can potentially beat a Dana White, somebody that's a true believer in it, and see what happens with it. Bodybuilding, Mr. Olympia. You know why bodybuilding, Mr. Olympia, has been dying out? Why? Because nobody's replacing Joe Weider. Everybody's trying to be Joe Weider. No one's replacing Joe Weider. Even the guy that we had on uh, uh, Value Team, we inter interviewed him, who is one of the greatest promoters of all time, like literally one of the greatest promo promoters of all time. Uh, man, I cannot believe I'm missing him. Um, uh, uh, you know, you go back and you look at uh, even uh, Wayne D'Amelio. Phenomenal interview. I really enjoyed talking to Wayne. The stories he told, 
uh, all the things that he did. Promoters are very valuable. Whoever's buying this, you better have a deep bench of someone with Dana White tendencies. I agree exactly what you're saying. And what you're talking about is the forward brand of a company. Here's what's going on here. So the two brothers buy this. Let's think of that as the venture capital stage for UFC. Million and a half dollars seed funding, pretty damn big seed. Uh, and all they go. Then Endeavor buys it in 16 for $3 billion, big chunk that they buy. There is probably a three-year earnout on that. And the earnout is, hey, this has to keep going. This can't crash. You have to stay involved over three years. Well, that would be 2019. Then we roll into the COVID year of 2020. Now they want to buy the rest of it and potentially take it public. So what they're trying to do here is consolidate all the stock so that they can take it public without complication. And that's what Endeavor wants to do. Endeavor is a talent agency. I hope they're listening to what Pat just said because you need a face of the brand to go forward. This is a mechanical move to consolidate the stock, get ready for an IPO, take it forward. That's great. Everybody can invest in it. Wall Street bets can talk about it. But if they don't have the face of the brand, then guess what? They've got Apple without Steve Jobs. And that's not going to work. You need a face of the brand based on this. You know, you, you need Larry Ellison at Oracle. You need Steve Jobs here. You needed Gates and Microsoft. There are faces that are I, that are they're I, out there, by the way. That there are USC links to the brand. Them. The link to the brand. Gates was a geek linked to Microsoft. You know, Jobs was a brilliant designer of product instinct. Tom, linked to the brand. Would you give credit to Gates for who he replaced himself with? Y yes, I would. Okay, I would. Yes, too. I would. But Ballmer? Are you kidding me? The guy oh, is my as, gosh. as a. As a the, the amount of credit Gates gives to him, don't get me wrong, they bump heads, and it's not like a best friend relationship that they had. But you know what Ballmer did to Microsoft? Yes. You know what Tim Cook did to Apple? I mean, yep. you, you got to. So, so I just hope they find the mm -hmm. right guy replacing Dana White that's a true believer. That's all I'm saying. Do you think they actually they understand this? Like 100%. They, they I mean, it's do. not Nobody like they like, spend $10 billion thanks, without Pat. understanding you know, they, this. They get this. They but, know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. They're not, you know, and the They're moment, not dummies. No, no, not at all. They know it. But sometimes, sometimes, you when you make a choice like this, you can't choose someone you like. That's right. Sometimes you choose someone you like. You have to choose the right person that can do the job. And you typically don't like, Bill Gates doesn't love Balmer. He's the right guy for it. And they, they have to choose the, gears, the right guy. Baby. Can you imagine how, like, you think about Dana White. What do you think Dana White's like to have somebody that's uh, reporting to you, to his board? He's a you, handful. Yeah, can you imagine Dana White coming in? <laughs> well, let me give you guys an update of what's going on with our numbers. No. Imagine Dana White in the boardroom. I'm so fucking, I can't believe he threw all that shit through the window and these mother. I'm going to go after the Oscar Della. That's who he is. Now, the yeah. first thing is, hey, Dana's an hour wait again for the board meeting. Are we having this board meeting? What are we doing here? You know, where, where is this guy? Is he coming here? Are we doing Say business something. today? Say something. You know? Because he's the guy that knows how to steer the pot. And that that's C exactly letter word, right. The C-letter word, the sexy C-letter word of today's podcast. Oh, my gosh. Competition. Competition, baby. baby exactly. is so sexy. Research and competition. Competition is so flippin'. Sexy. By the way, if you're listening, you agree, you disagree. I love it. Either way, comment below. But if you're enjoying the podcast, smash that thumbs up button. And if you think you're already a subscriber, you may not be because this is a complete different channel. Click that subscribe button and the notification button so you will be uh, notified the next time we go live with our podcast. I have one point, one last point here. Tell us. I want everybody to look at uh, UFC and go take a look at this. And look at who are their main big sponsors, like the official soda, the official beer. Look at all those. Look at the money to give to UFC. Do you think the NFL, MLB, 
Major League Baseball, NBA, do you think they want those dollars? They sure do. Mm-hmm. And so there's also a side of this that they're competing for corporate dollars for all the eyeballs of the young men and women that love the brand. And Dana White is a magnet that makes that happen. There's that C word again, competition. All right. I, I feel like Monster is the biggest sponsor of UFC. I just Proper ring- 12. Oh, <laughs> no, it's probably monster, but proper twelve would be a billion dollar. I mean, McGregor. Yeah. I mean, I know you helped. Set I got to tell with you, man. There is no, something. Do you, do you think so, the other sports you know, want those dollars? Absolutely, they do. Who wants a dollar? The other sports want those of course, dollars. Of course, of course. There is no face of base basketball. Right? They had to make it LeBron. The product is the face. LeBron's an iPhone 11. Someday LeBron will be replaced by somebody else. Zion. Now he's a he's a heck of a heck of an iPhone. But the point is, there's no face of the NBA. The players are the face of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Dana White is the face, the passion, the future, the rudder of UFC. Can you imagine, President Dana White? President, President Dana. Dana White. What do you well, have l- to l- say? Let me ask you. There, like for instance, Tom Brady has been in the face of the NFL for 20 freaking years. Yeah. Roger Goodell is the proverbial face of the NFL, but people don't like Goodell. As he, he maybe owners the owners do. do. Maybe the, uh, the, and by the way, not yeah. only the owners do, the players do as well. Do Why, they though? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, let's do something. By the way, just so you know, I'm not a Goodell. I'm not here endorsing yeah. Goodell. God uh-huh. knows a few years ago you can watch a video with what I had to say about Goodell. Better this call is, Saul. This is not an endorsement of Goodell. However, however. You ready? And by the way, what I didn't like about Godel is one issue I have with Godel. One. Does he have the eye inconsistency? He should have contacted Kaepernick ASAP and met with him and the yeah. Players Association and said, what's bothering you? Let's come up with a plan ASAP. He was afraid to do so. It turned into what it turned into. They lost viewership. That's the only thing I don't like about what he did. However, let's flip right. it. You ready? So uh, how can a organization called the Chiefs can afford to pay a Mahomes a half a billion dollar contract where the next month the guy made so much money he became a co-owner of the Kansas City Royals. You know how they can afford to pay him a half a billion dollars? Because Roger Goodell got so much TV money that the Chiefs said we better pay this guy money because we just got paid. So Goodell made Mahomes. A ton of money, and they just signed such a ridiculous uh, TV broadcasting yeah, it's contract insane. that they the, seventeen for the first games. Time in, yeah, for the first time in forty three years, they said, "Well, we'll add an extra game." So the NFL this season add an extra week onto it, NFL fans, because it's no longer sixteen games; it's now seventeen games. Somebody Only said Joe Rogan. Somebody said Joe Rogan will replace Dana White. Honestly, I don't think Joe wants that job. I think I don't think I think Joe. Believe it or not, I think Joe is a he's got he's got a sweet side to him. I think Joe's got a sweet side to him. I Meaning, really appreciate you saying that. Well, also an intellectual side to him. He wants to have con- yeah. Uh, I think he's had a different phase of his life and understandings. I don't think he's trying to fight, 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 no. fight, 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 fight. Joe is not trying to be Dana White. No. Joe, Joe is, Joe is one of those guys that you watch and you say, this guy's found exactly the position to play, mm-hmm. and he's maximizing that. You ever see somebody where you're like? I don't know why I watch you. I think you can kill it in something. I just have no clue what it is. But I don't understand why you're not winning right now. And all it is is a different position they need to be in. Joe's in a perfect position he needs to be. I don't know about Joe being Dana White uh, or wanting to be Dana White. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Joe's going to say I'm stopping the podcast with Spotify. I'm replacing Dana White's job. I'm now running UFC. I don't want to talk about sports, but, you know, people find their their home and then become giants. Dennis Eckersley becomes a closer. 
Dennis Eckersley, out of everybody, he said, yeah. Dennis, you know, probably well, 92% of the audience doesn't know who Dennis Eckersley is. But they may know his mustache. Forget about, yeah, they may know his mustache, forget about, right? Forget about sports. He was a pitcher who found his home as a closer and became one of the most dominant closers yeah. of his area. In other words, he knew what he was good at, he knew his position, and he went there, and he was it. And that's well, what you're talking about. Guys, we did it. We have a Dennis Eckersley and a Cecil Fielder reference today. Talk about 80s and 90s baseball, PBD. All right. Again, if you're enjoying it, smash thumbs up. We're getting close to hitting mm-hmm. 3,000. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, ever since we changed the time and came to Florida, we haven't hit that number wow. for a while, but we're looking forward to getting there. All right. So let's talk about uh, Trump going to 45th. Go to page five. Go to page five, page five, page five. Trump. The 45th. Why Trump is abandoning his iconic brand for a number. NBC News. Donald Trump spent a lifetime putting his name on a stakes to skyscrapers to stimulus checks, but now the former president appears to be replacing the gold-plated surname with the number 45. Last week, the 45th president launched his new official website, 45office.com. Literally, the number 45. Go to 45office.com. Let's see what it looks like. A URL, URL, unlike those of his president, Predecess, uh, predecessors, predecessors, predecessors who use their names for their web addresses. His pack can be accessed to safeamerica45.com. His White House old tweet can be found at White House 45. And when his attorney, uh, Bruce Castor, signed on to represent him in a second impeachment case, he said, I consider it a privilege to present the 45th president. Many politicians are known to staffers and friends by nicknames or initials. Hillary Clinton is HRC. The former President Bush are differentiated between 41 and 43, and Trump is 45 to many of his followers. Tom, good move or bad move? I think it's a great branding move, and also I think it's this is a, uh, a little troll of uh, Biden. Remember they created the office of the president-elect, and there is no office of the president-elect, and they created podiums and everything like that because they wanted him to look official. They wanted him to say things before he was inaugurated and all this stuff. So I think there's a little troll in this, but I think for branding, I think this is, I, you know, I kind of like it. He's creative. You can't argue with the guy's instincts on branding. Adam. I don't think there's any chance that this was his idea. You're talking about someone who puts his name on every single hotel he's ever owned, golf course, stakes, on his plane, on his university. And now he's 74 years old. He's like, yeah, let's just go with 45. That's fine. Something's telling me there's a branding expert that someone came in and said, look, maybe your brand is a little tarnished. I'm not so sure you want to just kind of do that. And let's go with 45. So... If it were up to Trump, you know he would put his name on that. Do you like so this? I don't get it. I like the picture they have here with the Teletubbies. You know, that's kind of a Tele- cool picture. The Teletubbies. <laughs> you remember this? <laughs> Is that serious so, or no? Are those colors serious on the right? That, that's actually on his website. Yeah, isn't that the Teletubbies? I don't understand it. Pat, why do you think he's going with this 45 office and not Trump? Look, let me put it to you this way. If there's a guy that understands marketing better than 99.99% of the world, is a guy named Donald Trump, period. Exactly. Okay, so he's not a guy to say he has no clue what he's doing. This guy knows what he's doing. There's a reason behind it. What that is, we're going to find out probably in the next 24 to 36 months. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know for the next 24 mm-hmm. to 36 months. Now, having said that, okay. having said that, let me gotta give oh, yeah, you okay, the other okay. side. So that part, I'm giving the credit to the strategist of Trump, the marketing strategist that he is, okay? If anybody thinks he's not a strategist, you are naive or you're a hater, period, if you don't think he's a strategist when it comes down to marketing. 
That, that picture's not the best picture, by the way. But uh, 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 but let me go back to this. Some of these pictures that are coming up, man, on the on the website is cracking me keep up. Keep it up, Actually, Sam? no, keep it up because this is good. This is entertaining. But I will say this other part, Adam, if I can get your attention. I'm I will say you. this other I'm part. You, sir. The other part on why he may have done this intentionally mm-hmm. is to give his kids the freedom because they're forever going to be Trump. He wants to differentiate between Trump and 45. It's what he wants to do. He wants to be known as 45 is what you're going to remember him as. And he wants his kids to continue being Trump supporter because they're going to be Trump's a lot longer than he's going to be a Trump. Mm-hmm. So he wants to give his kids, his grandkids, Baron, who's now what, seven, five, he's about to pass a Manupo, <laughs> George Burison, you know, the way he's going. That could be the case. But my bet is this is a marketing genius. The world is about to find out in the next two years why he called it 45 office. I may be wrong, but that's what I think. But, I mean, this isn't nothing new. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. the, the two Bushes go by 41 and 43. That's sort of their moniker. The late 41. The late 41 and the, the current 43. Uh, I, do under, I, do, I can appreciate the, the strategist mentality that, that he's, mm-hmm. he's likely doing, and he's probably thinking of legacy and posterity and his kids and, mm-hmm. and, and what will happen with that and maybe differentiating – Trump the businessman and versus Trump the president. I, I can understand that. But there is something within his ego that slaps Trump on everything that's like, well, I don't know. I kind of done pretty well for myself. I don't think he Trump does anything without a reason. Nothing without a reason. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting is, you know, you always find out later. I think, Pat, you're right. You're going to find out in two years. It was interesting. Do you remember on Bill Maher? Uh, Ann Coulter was on Bill Maher, and they were having actually a pretty funny conversation about the Republican candidates. And there was like uh, 16 total candidates, uh, and everybody yeah, was assuming. I remember this interview with Everybody Ann was assuming Jeb Bush was going to be yeah. challenged by Marco Rubio, and that was the race, and everybody else got out of the way. Remember yeah, that? I do. And then Jeb Bush looked like warmed over dinner, and Rubio never she, showed up. She predicted Trump, but and everyone she laughed said, at her. She, yeah. And Bill Maher says, Ann, you have pretty good instincts on this from the conservative side. Uh, you know, who do you think is is got the you know got the momentum is going to be here to run it? She says, "You're not going to like the answer." She says, "Of all these candidates, who do I think has got the juice to be inaugurated, to be nominated? Donald Trump." And everybody laughed. Yeah. And remember, she her including eyes, Bill Maher. Including Bill Maher. Remember, she turned her head like this, and she's yeah. like. She She's understood. Like, I kind of know what I'm talking about. She knew she was she talking knew about who the base of the Republican Party was, and she also knew that who had a brand, a message, and momentum mm-hmm. versus who was being nominated by just media. Because well, if you're going to be a president, you have to be a politician. If you're a politician, you got to be somebody who's got the following jobs. And she was right, but and everybody flipped out. But he drove that forward, and she was absolutely right. And so I think we'll find out in two years what he's doing with this, but I never second-guess what he's doing with the brand because he's never dead. He's not going away. He knows what he's doing. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may not want it, but don't don't doubt it. There's a purpose. Do you think he has slept in one day since he left office? Because this is like some guy who's up and out and crack of dawn, moving, tweeting, this, that, that. Do you think he's like it's had the most hectic five years of my freaking life. I think so. Life. I think so. I'm sleeping until noon today. No, I think so. Don't wake me up, Melania. I think so. I think so because uh, uh, because Melania probably made him or not made him like, hey, listen, babe, just take the you know day. Take the week off. I, I think Go so. I actually think he did because I think this is a guy that uh, – it's so funny to me when people underestimate a guy that's been competing. He's mm-hmm. got 70 – 
four years of experience in competition, competing against his siblings, against classmates, against his dad's legacy, against his mom's suave, against Jersey, against Manhattan, against local mm-hmm. realtor gurus that weren't willing to give him the permit, against yeah. politicians, against other billionaires, against other news, media. This guy's been competing for 74 years. You yeah. know how much experience he's got on his resume? He should have his resume saying Donald Trump resume. 74 years, competition. Com- what do you want to do about it? That's why he's so obsessed with ratings because he understands that ratings is competition. What should, where a, are people he's, watching? He's where are the a, eyeballs he's going? He's a competition guy, but he's not doing this because he's done. He's up to something. I don't know what it is. Clearly. That's why I'm asking if something. he slept in one day. Because clearly two days nah, later. I mean, when you're saying he, he slept in one day, again. I do think he slept in one day. I do think this guy. I, uh, by the way, you think he's a four to six hour guy? I don't think he's a four to six hour guy. I think he's a six, six to eight hour guy. Sleep, you're saying. Yeah, I think he's a six to eight, eight hour guy. I don't think he's a four to six. At this phase, I don't think he's four to six. I think he's six to eight. Oh, you're compartmentalizing how long I think during campaign he was a four hour guy. But wow. I think today he's a six to eight. And I think he's a daily napper where he knows how to time his naps. As you get older, you learn how to refuel your body. You okay. understand your body. Like your body's going to tell you, listen, kick it. Today, Go I'm telling you right now, yes. Yeah. You know, you may want to, you know, you understand your body. Some people, every day it's like that for them. They're yeah. like, no, I understand my body. I got to sleep nine hours tonight. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm just on some people. Like know Mario that. last night. That's not <laughs> Mario last night driving, by the way. It was just phenomenal. You know what? I'm going to give this video to give Mario a shout out because I didn't send it on Insta stories, but I think it's appropriate. Should we do it or should we not do it course, on the podcast? It's with I, Mario. You know, it's th- by the way, let's see. Okay, we now this no, listen. I have been part of a lot of prayers in my life. A lot. <laughs> what do you why here, are you laughing? Here we go. I've been part of many. I've, how many great people have you heard pray? I'm gonna airdrop this to tell me which one you is it is it Sam VT? Uh VT Studio iMac? Which one you want me to send it to? Which one? Okay, I'm going to send it over there, see if it comes up to you. Is it coming or no? Take it. But but before you pull it up, don't pull it up. I've seen many people in my life pray. This was probably one of the most special prayers I saw, yes, because you couldn't hear the words. A prayer is such a strong prayer where a person's face is telling you what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I looked at you yesterday when you were sitting in the back seat. You were crying. You got emotional. It was a a tough spot for me. Let's let's watch Mario's method of uh, praying. Play it. This is Mario's method of praying. Make it and press the green button so we can kind of see the full spectrum of this. Go ahead. What a prayer. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Do you see it or no? <laughs> Dear baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounces. Yeah. Praying to Mario, just so you know, Mario, we love you more than you would ever know. You know what Mario did the other day on April Fool's? One of the best pranks ever. Yes. He sends an Instagram story saying, uh, I, I have a... <laughs> a new consulting gig. <laughs> I have a new consulting gig. <laughs> and he says, I've decided Wish me go. luck. <laughs> Wish me luck, you know. You know where to find me. And you know what ends up happening? All the haters in the world came out saying, well, congratulations, that PBD mother, you know. And so he started realizing which one of his followers are valuetainers and which one of them cannot wait. But there were some people that said, I, there's no way in the world I believe this yeah. because you're Mario. If you know Mario and his Mario's obsession a, uh, with valutainment and his love for jokes, uh, April freaking fools, you could have read guy. between the, 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 the lines on that one. Mario's a special guy. By the way, today were? I believe my interview with U.S. Armenians is coming out today. U.S. Armenians, the folks from U.S. Armenians came out. Uh, if you can, you can go to YouTube, type in U.S. Armenians. 
uh, uh, the interview is coming out today. I really had a good time with these guys. That's a lot of good questions, a lot of strong questions. I mean, he was expecting me to uh, 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 be a very direct. The U.S. Armenians go down there, uh, go to their channel. Yeah, the interview, I believe, comes out today. It's a newer channel, and they're going around. Inter- their Instagram blew up during the whole time with what was going on between Turkey, Azerbaijan, and Armenia. Mm-hmm. But check these guys out if you're Armenian. Go to their channel. Give them a subscribe. Uh, uh, give him some love. The interview should be coming out today. It's about an hour, and we talk specifically on the topic of Armenians. If that's not something that interests you, then don't worry about it. But if you are Armenian around the world, go check these guys out. They're doing a great job, and they've been in the media space for a while. They came here from Armenia to do what they're doing. Phenomenal job these guys are doing. Anyways, okay, next topic. I think it's important for us to go to a serious topic, which is uh, this may be the most serious topic we'll talk about today. Adam was begging me all morning to start with the story. I don't want to start off with the story, but we are talking about Vladimir Putin has voted Russia's sexiest man <laughs> alive, Daily Mail. Russian President Vladimir Putin, the man who was famously pictured topless while riding on horseback and fishing, has been voted as country's sexiest Male. A survey of 2,000 Russian men and women found that the Kremlin leader is Russia's the most good-looking man in the country. The 68-year-old bachelor was the only man to reach double figures in the poll by job board, board site Superjob. When asked who was the most attractive man in the country, 18% of men and 17% of women voted for Putin. He insisted in 2018 that he was not embarrassed about the topless snaps and said he has saw no need to hide behind the bushes while... On vacation. So, Adam, I think this is, since you really wanted this story, yeah. do, do you think he is the sexiest man in Russia? I mean, I think it's hard to not see the sexiness in Vladimir Putin. And if you don't disagree, don't uh, drink that cup of tea that he just provided you, because there's likely poison in it. So, um, he's been the sexiest man in Russia for the last 20 years. Sexiest man alive. Sexiest man alive. Oh, sex- sexiest- there was a competitor, but he's no longer alive, yeah, exactly. which means now... <laughs> <laughs> so now yeah, his name is Navalny. And he was That's right. So exactly. <laughs> I was so, in. Tom. He's in second place only for one afternoon. I think, I think, we took care of it. <laughs> are you really traveling home today? You may want to drive home today instead of traveling from here and taking a flight because you, you know, you don't want to call this guy out on a podcast. He's probably listening. Go, right go for it, Tom. Just so you know, Russian Valuetainment Channel's got yeah. nearly a quarter of a, bi- a quarter of a million subs now. And our content being translated in Russian is doing very good. And some of your content is Russian. So imagine if Putin's watched one of your case studies. Tom, when are you flying back to Dallas? Uh, A week from Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, Tom, Mr. Ailsworth, uh, you'd but, like to but say actually, that, uh, actually, what do you think? It's Pan Am flight 64. I think it's, the, the, it's so over-the-top ridiculous. When I think, keep the pictures up, Sam, when I think of sexy, I'm not thinking of a 68-year-old, balding, pasty, white, sem- somewhat flabby guy. That ain't Stop screaming it. sexy to me. So we talk about competition. Yeah. This guy's got no freaking competition. By the way, in, in, are in you Russia. saying if you guys got into a fight, you'd beat him up at 68? Do you think you could beat him up? <laughs> I'm being serious. Yeah, I'm looking to go viral, so yeah, I'm, I'm challenging Vladimir Putin to a one-on-one horseback Sam, fight duel. That angle bro. you have right now is not necessary. Yeah. Go look. Okay, that's better. Okay. Um, no, we, mean, we do it better in the United States. We have better examples. I mean, this is... That's like basi- th- this is the equivalent of basically America being like, breaking news, guys, Bernie Sanders, sexiest man in America. That's the equivalent of what's going on. What, you go to the old. site because if he wants you to go to that site, I don't know what he wants you to look at. Uh, I'm going to show you how we do it in America. We do it a little bit different. Okay. Got it. 
This is how we do it in America, ladies and gentlemen. This is how we That's do it. That's sexiest for you, Sarah Palin? Well, I'm saying to some Americans. Okay, go to the fake original. What is that? The second one that's hilarious. We're going to go to that, that one that says fake and original. Right there, buddy. It's on the page. You got nine options. One of them says fake, original. Go down. There you go. Oh, I see. Okay, they're just playing. It's not even spoof. her. Yeah, got it. Oh, it's uh, not even her. Somebody else. No, got it. It's fake. Fake news. Well, you can go back to the fake other news. picture with uh, uh, Putin. I Look, will tell you this. It's like when Putin runs for election, he gets ninety percent of the votes. I think you guys are missing the point. I think you guys are missing the point. Listen, he, here's here's the point, and hopefully this will make sense to you. Do you remember in the nineties what Calvin Klein models looked like? Eighty pound. They were guys. cocaine, heroin out. Well, especially the females. I mean, it was just like what, like. Heroin chic, Kate yeah. Moss. That was I, was there was a joke. There was a joke. The joke was the Diet Coke and Coke diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Am I supposed to be like saying, oh my gosh, she's so hot. She's so attractive. Look, she's dropped it. No. And then you had a different taste and flavor that showed up back in the days with Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. or Sophia Loren. We were just talking about them earlier, right? Mm-hmm. It was a different yeah. uh, where you said, oh, wow, look at that. They you call know, them so, voluptuous. Are you, voluptuous are you basically saying you're a fan of Sir Mix-a-Lot? No, that's not what I'm saying, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Baby got Listen. back. That, that, uh, Let him finish. He's on a roll. It's uh, uh, poetry there, you know, <laughs> by what they came up with. I like big butts. But I'm going to tell you this. But here, here's what I'm going to tell you. To Russia, mm-hmm. they value toughness, strength, confidence, swagger, you, you, you fear. It's a different level of attractiveness like okay. in u.s it's who it's michael b jordan it's dwayne johnson it's robert downey matthew jr george clooney matthew mcconaughey is those guys right well in russia they want guys like this they want a guy to be tough so in russia it may be that he is the sexiest man alive to a russian mm-hmm. he may be the sexiest man alive. if ryan gosling and him went on a catwalk the room wouldn't be looking at Ryan Gosling. They would say, ooh, здравствуйте, Putin. Look at this guy. Kapoživaitsi. Karasho. You know what he's saying right there? You know what he's saying right there? You want a piece of me? Take a look at that. Yeah. yeah. He's looking down somebody and says, hey, you get like, off the horse. Uh, really? Yachachu Putin is probably what people, I like Putin is what they're saying. Anyway, that's a little bit of Russian that I know. So. There you have it. So, Adam, are you satisfied? We covered the story. So, do you actually would you vote for if you lived in Russia? Would you be voting for him or not? I don't think I'd be vote. I, I don't think I've ever voted for sexiest man or woman alive. <laughs> but uh, if they did, does that, he have your vote? I think he is the toughest leader alive today. That's a, what I would do. Took a I poll would put in my house. As, I won. Sexiest man at my house. Eighteen years running. Oh, you won in your household. Yes, Mary. I Congratulations. did. Eighteen years, Tom. Yep. That's pretty impressive. Don't forget about the pool boy. Because you want to know why? I'm undefeated. You want to know why, Tom? (laughs) Because you have no competition, bro. If you were uh, wow. had some competition, so you're, you're saying he's got an element of yelling in his house. I'm just saying, oh, yeah, you need some. What a you, shot! Yelling like yelling, like what you're yelling. What's shot. going on here? Okay, right. can we talk about the MLB yeah. move? Can they we talk about? Needles. I'm gonna go do push-ups. <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about MLB moving the All-Star game, and let's see if fires. If we're gonna get some fireworks here, I don't know. I think. Fireworks this, and on this, this is topic. not a sports story. This is a political this story. This is a political yeah. story. Okay, so let's get into it. MLB moving 2021 All-Star game from Atlanta in response to Georgia voting law, USA Today story. Major League Baseball will move its All-Star game out of Atlanta after the state Georgia passed voting bills that will disproportionately, this is the story of USA Today, affect citizens of color and action that Commissioner Rob Manfred on Friday said is the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport. MLB's removal of one of its jewel events which this year will include the draft for the first time, comes after a year in, in which the COVID-19 pandemic and the killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer called 
caused the sports industry to reconsider its influence with its society. On March 26th, Governor Georgia, uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed legislation passed by both state house, a Republican-led over, overhaul of state elections, rolling back voting by mail and other absentee ballot efforts, and even banning the distribution of food and water to those standing in line to vote, which, by the way, we're going to verify that. MLB did not specify to which city it ro- relocated the All-Star game, which, due to its fixed date and lone spot on the sporting calendar, is its biggest corporate event of the year. Tom, give us your thoughts on this. I, I think it's, first of all, I think it's good when, you know, we're, we're all taking a stand together as citizens. But, you know, th- this is... This is very political. I mean, there's a lot of small businesses in Georgia that may not, that, that are not on the left, they're on the right. They're just here, they're independent, and now they're going to be hurt. They were expecting hotel rooms, they were expecting restaurants, they were expecting a lot of things who are coming back for the summer, and there's a lot of small businessmen and people in that local economy who are going to get hurt. And by the way, where do you draw the line on being upset? Where do you draw the line on being upset? You, you know that, you know what happened with George Floyd and the, the things that we have to do and the the improvements and the, the all all the additional ground that we have to take so that everybody's got a chance and all these things are you know you know less prevalent. Every new generation that comes along is very very important. That importance is not diminished. But you're there's a lot of business people and there's a lot of things there. The Georgia government does something and but. And both houses, and then everybody's upset, and now all these business folks get hurt. So I, you know, I'm I'm bummed out about it. But there's things underneath that are very very important. But I'm really bummed out that the that the political wave comes over like this and is going to hurt other people in the process. Yeah, I'm going to give a couple different perspectives here. It's so funny because Florida always gets a bad name for just everything. And whether it's politics, whether it's social, whether it's everything, poor sports fans. And Georgia's this past year is just basically like, hold my beer. We got this. Whether it was the elections for the Senate run and now this. Uh, just a couple different sides of the coin here. So you talked about the businesses being hurt. They said that $100 million is going to be lost to the state of Georgia. $100 million by that. So That's the tax you know, to Georgia. That's yeah. not the underlying revenue to those little companies. Say it again. That's the tax to Georgia. That's not the, that's not the underlying revenue for everybody that sells hats, T-shirts. You're saying it's it's bigger than the hundred million dollars. Yeah, the okay. revenue to all the little business people and stuff is much well, bigger. According to CNBC, they lost a hundred million dollars. That's but. Did did you, did you just catch what happened right there? Like, so when Tom is saying a hundred million is just to the state, there's going to be a lot more money that's coming into so the small local businesses. small business. Billions. That's billions. Yes, it could be I'm potentially a couple okay. billion. Yeah, keep I'm going. I'm with you on that. Uh, by the way, it did get moved to Denver. I don't know if you heard that yet. Which they, totally makes sense. Game. Okay. So, obviously... Big blue state. So, a couple different things here. So, if you have you have Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, who got completely lampooned by Trump all throughout the Senate race. He came out and he said, this is disgusting. This is cancel culture of the highest hypocrisy. This is ridiculous. Like, keep, let's keep politics That's out of sports. That's what's confusing about it, what you just said. But continue. Okay. Yeah. Um... So keep sports out of politics, keep politics out of sports. And then you have uh, companies like Coke, Delta, Uber, Lyft, PayPal, Under Armour, Estee Lauder. They all pulled out of it. And then obviously when they start pulling out, everyone else starts pulling out of that. But something that has actually manifested certainly during the pandemic and certainly during uh, the BLM movement and social justice movement is that, you know, the whole LeBron shut up and dribble, right? So sports stars 
and even CEOs are no longer just sticking to business. They are now putting their hands into social issues and into politics, and they're kind of getting deeper involved uh, other than just sticking to business. So sports players aren't just shutting up and dribble. Business people aren't just follow, following the business and focusing on the money. They are taking a stand on social issues. And whether you agree or disagree, there's are sort of just two sides of the coin. Um, but sports, business, politics, whether you like it or not, they're sort of all intertwined. And this is sort of the culmination of all that, where the MLB All-Star Game, where you're just like, look, it's an All-Star Game. Why are we making this political? Yeah. It's now all a big shit show. So here's the, here's the thing. Officially, we only have one sport left that has not been politicized. Only one. So now I thought baseball was going to stay you know, neutral and independent. Now there's only one sport out of the top four sports that's no longer politicized. Hockey? Hockey is the only one. <laughs> NFL, hardcore politicized. Well, with all the kneeling. NBA, hardcore. NBA that's is like far, yeah, far, yeah. far politicized. They even have last names on their jersey. They it's have just too much now. Now you got yeah. MLB and then uh, LeBron comes out and gives a shout out and says, hey, great job MLB for standing up. So yeah. did Obama. So did a bunch of other people. And they're claiming that what Biden did in the interview with ESPN is gaslighting because he went up there and he says, I want to applaud the MLB, you know, for, for standing up for themselves. And uh, let's face it, I mean, you're trying to say this is like Jim Crow. This is you, you can't even give people water. I mean, what do you mean we can't even give people water? Biden is saying that you can't even give people water. He's saying you can't even give people a bottle of water is yeah. what he's saying. So you can't go out there now. I went and said, okay, that's pathetic if you can't even give the people that are voting a bottle of water. Only poll workers Now, can. let me tell you, I got yeah. the article, and I got it from Washington Post and Heritage. Let me tell you the difference. Washington Post, hardcore left, Jeff Bezos, Heritage Action, conservative, hardcore right. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you both of them, and you make the decision for yourself. I like that. Okay? So let's go through it. Washington Post, the article, if you want to pull it up so people can see the title of it on Washington Post, expand access, a historic restriction question mark, what the Georgia voting law really does. So go up a little bit to the main one. So how does the law limit, go all the way up where it says, how does the law, there you go, how does the law limit voting? It shrinks the window of voters to request mail ballots. Rather than allowing voters to request mail ballots six months from election day, the new law says voters can start requesting ballot 78 days out. Okay, so you lost 90 days of asking for it. Counties can begin sending ballots to voters just 29 days before election rather than previous 49 days. It also sets an earlier cutoff date for ballot application requests. Critics say any mail delays with these shorter periods could lead a voter not getting ballots on time or not being able, to, being able to return there in time. But proponents of the law say voters simply don't need the 180 days they used to have to request ballots and that moving up the cutoff date makes it less likely voters will receive ballots too late to get them back in time to be counted. Okay, you can make a decision say you like it, you don't like it, but that's one of them. Next, counties in the state can send mail ballot applications only to voters who request them, as opposed mm-hmm. to simply sending every registered voter a ballot application and cannot fill in information ahead of time. Next, no, by the way, if you guys got comments, comments as I'm going through it. No voter item requirements. Voters may, who cast mail ballots will have to provide one of several forms of identification. This provision, which replaced the signature match previously used to conform, confirm voter identities, is one of the most controversial because critics say it's likely to disproportionately affect black voters. Do you, like, what do you say about that, Tom, the fact that you have to show an ID? And they're saying it's 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 not fair oh to God. show IDs. What do you what do you say? Well, about what do you mean? There there are several forms of them. It's not just a driver's license because maybe your driver's license is suspended. Maybe you don't have it. There, you know, there are several forms of identity. Yeah, I can't comment on anybody who's analyzed it and say it's disproportionately going to affect one group of voters or not. But it was several forms of identification. There was a list 
Yeah, so again, uh, uh, but that's one big argument. We'll come back to By the way, you in a need minute. one of several forms of... In, and anything you do. Yeah. To, to, to go in and get health care at co- an emergency room. Coke, who supports this decision with MLB, if you want to go to the annual Coke convention, you have to show your ID when you go in. The level of hypocrisy on what people are saying here is basic ID for me to know who you are. It's not a big deal for you to show your ID. Voters don't have to provide a copy of identification, but could, example, provide a driver's license number, social security, other acceptable identification. This is not a big deal. Next, a limit on the I number agree. of ballot drop boxes during early voting. It essentially limits the number of drop boxes in each county to one per early voting site or one for every 100,000 voters in a county, whichever number is smaller. And the drop boxes can't be conveniently spread over the county, for example, in places where there aren't in-person early voting locations. They all have to be located either in the county uh, election office or at an early voting precinct location. They have to be indoors, which critics say make them less accessible and could lead to crowds where voters are already congregated. Tom, you're shaking your head. That's ridiculous because what they're saying here is let's put the boxes in a place where we can watch them and make sure everything's cool. And by the way, if this goes both ways because either party will be screaming about this based on who won yesterday. You know that. Of course. This this is trying to put the boxes in a place where we know where it is and the votes can be counted properly. And we want to put it in a place where it's less likely. You know, we get a third. Yeah, it's just I think that's I think that's really stretching and reaching. They're trying to say, here's the drop off locations. We're going to put them here, here and here. You know, we're talking. To- that's their argument, though. That's Washington Post's argument. Let's go to the next one. Shorten early voting in runoff elections. Instead of a minimum of three weeks of early voting in runoffs, early voting in runoffs will be held in a single Monday through Friday period. The next one. State lawmakers get much more power over county and local elections, and Republicans have decisive majorities in both state Senate and state House. Today. Today. The law states that the General Assembly will select the chair of the state elections board rather than the board being chaired by the Georgia Secretary of State. An elected position. The chair is supposed to be nonpartisan. The state election board can investigate county election board and has the power to suspend county election superintendents, though the law limits the state board to uh, suspending four at a time. You might remember Georgia Secretary of State Brad, uh, who became the target of his own party's ire after President Donald Trump asked him to find votes in the wake of 2020 elections. This provision seems like a direct reaction to that, ensuring partisan state lawmakers can control the elections process more directly. Let's not forget, Kemp did not do what Trump asked him to do, and Trump couldn't stand what Kemp did to him. So just five months ago, Kemp was a good guy. Now Kemp's a bad guy, even though he didn't defend Trump. Trump was asking him to take, take care of him and didn't happen. Next, a ban on handling, handing out food and water within 150 feet of Here a Here comes place, the truth. Or within 25 feet of any voter. Republicans say this is aimed at stopping outside groups from influencing voters. Democrats say it's supposed to make it harder for people to wait on long lines, particularly on hot or cold days. Election officials are permitting to set up water stations, but they're not required to do so. We're going to go into more details on the one from Heritage Action because they actually explain what that really means. That that means I've stood in line to vote for over an hour, and it was here in Dallas, and it was a warm day. And what this is, you are not supposed to be approached by any person while you're waiting in line. Nonpartisan can give you water. Partisan cannot give you water. That's right. So if the League of Women Voters sets up a water station there so I can get water on the hot day, I can get water. No one's depriving them. But what they're saying is, you know when you get out of your car and they say, excuse me, are you voting for this position or that position? But as soon as you cross like where the cones are, they can't talk to you anymore. You're you're now in a polling place and no one's 
supposed to be within so many feet of you. That's what this is about. This isn't about depriving people water. We got four minutes. I want to go through both of them. A few ways to exp- it expands voting. A minimum number of drop boxes is guaranteed. Kemp has been arguing publicly that in rural counties that didn't have uh, drop boxes in previous elections, this is an improvement. Drop boxes weren't allowed in Georgia at all before 2020, and not all counties had them even during the pandemic. While the the number of drop boxes is so limited, it might not make a huge difference for voters. Kemp is correct that the law for the first time codifies requirements for a minimum number of drop boxes in each county. Phenomenal. That's very good. Keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. Yeah, now they're required. There must be drop boxes. Yep, an additional day of early voting in the rural counties. The new bill requires at least two Saturdays of early voting for each primary and general election. Previous Georgia law required only one. It allows counties to choose when their early voting locations are open for a minimum of eight hours between 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Reasonable. More resources for precincts so lines don't get too long. The law basically requires the state to monitor polling locations to see if any have lines longer than an hour, or still have voters waiting in line for more than an hour after polls were supposed Mm -hmm. to close. In those cases, the state is required to either form new precinct locations to ease the strain or beef up the existing polling locations, capacities to handle large number of voters. This applies specifically to populous precincts, mostly in urban areas. Sounds like more opportunities to vote. I agree as well. Here's what didn't make it into the bill. A block on Sunday voting. Earlier proposals called for a ban on Sunday voting. This proposal was seen as directly targeting black voters who often vote as part of church-run sold-the-polls effort that takes place on Sundays. This is a good thing. They can still vote on Sunday. They can all take a walk down together. This is a good thing. Yes. A ban on no-excuse absentee ballot. Tom, just turn off your ringtone. Just turn it off. Yeah. A ban on no-excuse absentee voting. Georgia Republicans actually passed a bill in the state Senate a few weeks ago that would have... Ban no excuse absentee voting, one of the most criticized but un, not uh, uniformly agreed upon GOP protocol. Okay, so, so that's Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Go, to, go to American Heritage. Go to Heritage o- Action for America. This one's short. It's just two pages. Okay, myth versus fact. G- the Georgia election law, okay? Myth number one. The Georgia election law discourages voting, suppresses votes. Fact. The bill actually preserves or expands ballot access in several important ways. It requires that large precincts with lines more than an hour take take, uh, hour-long take steps like adding voting machines and election personnel for the next election to reduce wait times. It does not change the number of total early voting days, actually increases the mandatory days of early weekend voting. Compared to 2020, 134 of 159 counties will offer more early voting hours in the future elections. Under the new law, it codifies election Okay, we read that already. We just read Voters that? can continue to vote absentee with no excuse, unlike states like Delaware, which who is from Delaware, by the way? Isn't a guy named Joe from Delaware? I think Joe he's B. from Slippy Joe Biden's Joe. from Delaware. Voters can continue to vote boy. absentee with no excuse, unlike Delaware, which is where Joe Biden's from. New York, Connecticut, which require an excuse to vote absentee. Myth number two, the Georgia law eliminates voting. On Sunday, to surpass African-American votes, Georgia law was silent on Sunday early voting days prior to SB202. And in 2020, only 16 out of 159 counties offered early voting on Sundays. The new law explicitly provides the option of holding early voting on two Sundays for all locations. It actually increases the mandatory days of early weekend voting across the state. That's myth number two. Number three, there's only six of these, so hang tight. The Georgia election law suppresses the vote with... uh, Onerous. Onerous voter ID requirement. The law requires a driver's license or f- a free state ID number, which 97% of registered voters already have. Anyone without a valid ID can easily obtain one for free. The voter ID requirement replaces the state's controversial signature match program that led to 
Disqualification of thousands of votes in 2020, the law's voter ID requirement for absentee ballot is overwhelmingly popular in Georgia across the board, according to AGC. Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the newspaper in downtown Atlanta. In January, 74% of Georgia voters supported, including 63% of black voters and 89% of those making under $25,000 a year. Interesting. So that data is not being written by Washington Post. But now we know you can click on the link, AGC, to go to it. Not yourself, Sam. The audience, if they want to do it, not us. Myth number four, the bill, the bill eliminates drop boxes for absentee voting. Fact, the drop boxes used in the last election did not exist a year ago. They were u- first utilized in 2020 as a pandemic precaution. The bill makes them as an official part of Georgia elections, and they will be available in 159 counties and under supervision to protect against tampering. There Myth you number go. five. The bill lets Republicans throw out any county votes they don't agree with. The by- Fact, the bipartisan state election board can do performance reviews a local uh, election uh, supervisors who failed their area's voters uh, with things like long lines and awful absent ballot. The board will not overturn election results. The law simply provides a process to review and ensure officials are technically competent and compliant with the state laws. The process requires a high burden of proof. Someone said, okay, okay, got it. And then last but not least, myth number six, the bill bans drinking water for voters while waiting in line. Fact, like the countless other states that have very specific laws against electioneering, Near polling places, Georgia has codified rules preventing political groups from handing out food or water to voters in line as an incentive to vote, but specifically allows poll workers to make water available to anyone who wants it. The law will also directly cut down wait time, meaning refreshments for people waiting in line will be necessary. This law didn't move the All-Star game. I just read two books right Yeah, I was going to say. This law did not move the All-Star game. Joe Biden gaslighted and moved the All-Star game. I mean, that's what people are saying. That's the speculation. And everybody, and by the way, Coke and everybody else sees the world reacting. They want to be on the right side of history. So they say, okay, we're out because they don't want to explain that something is misunderstood. They're like, no, I'm not going to get in the middle of this. If this is getting too hot, then we have to move and we have to be on the right side of history. Look, even though... This is really sad. The, the audience has the choice to pick and choose which article they want to read. I give you both of them. And put the link below for people to go see it. If you can comment below as well. Can you do that? Oh, you want to put it in the description? Put it in the chat box right now so people can go to it if they want to go to it. But here's the point. Yep. What happened over there was so politicized right. that Atlanta you know, Braves took a hit. Small business owners took a hit. Major hit. Fans took a hit. Huge hit. Massive hit. Why? Rob Manfred already made a dumb decision a couple years ago when the Astros did what they did, and he didn't suspend anybody. And he said, if anybody hits them, we're going to suspend you. None of the Astros players got any kind of punishment. The GM got fired or whatever happened to him. Nothing happened there. Two years later, year and a half later, he was saved by COVID. Everybody forget about what happened to Astros, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Except from some fans that are going on with trash, you know, at the games. Still oh, beating on his Year and yeah. a half later, he does it again, and he is going to bring back up the bad decision he made with the Astros. But he is using this as a way to win the journalists and the commentators that were trashing him just a year and a half ago for the decision he made with the Astros. It's his way of winning some cool points, and uh, he may win it. 100%. But you 100%. took a hit with the league. Maybe wrong. That's my thoughts. Adam, final thoughts? Yeah, no, I think this is you. the beauty of listening to the PBD podcast is that we're going to give you both perspectives and you can do your own research to figure out what makes the most sense and what the truth is. But we're going to kind of give you both sides of the spectrum. And as they always say, if you have two different perspectives, the truth sometimes is uh, in the middle. Uh, and so go do your own research. I don't know if we have enough time to, to this kind of fits in with the sports and the politics. 
to cover the Barkley stuff. But I uh, wish I did. We'll do it on Thursday. I, okay. And Thursday is who? Who's Thursday? Thursday we have a oh Ricky Ricky. Oh Ricky's here Thursday. Phenomenal. You you're gonna be able to have. I gotta go work Ricky. out. I gotta go work out right now. I gotta go pump some weights. I, I think this is I great. Come if you enjoyed today's podcast with Tom, smash that subscribe button. Tom, thank you for coming out. Uh, Adam had a good time with you, and Sam, um, shout out to you, Kai. I'm Ricky, sure I know us. you're listening. The you, chair Kai. is warm. You are going to kill it here. And if you haven't seen Two Ricky, days. tune in on Thursday yes. to see it's Ricky. Be and Ricky, it's by be the fantastic. way, uh, we will have a metal detector before you walk in the building. You're Do so not funny. come strapped, you're buddy. You're so funny. You are bring so funny. a thousand bucks. Take care, everybody. Oh, no, you're just saying that bye to bye. protect yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. Take care, everyone.